On episode 21 of Pixel Guide In. Cody gets a new cat. Eric plays with a goose. Tim does his first game review. Cody talks all about the Vectrex. There's another mini for Eric. Six good import games. Cody goes cuckoo for Coco. It's mod time! We drink really bad beer. Your host, Eric Nelson and Corey Hoffman! And we're back for our Halloween episode. <laughs> this is coming out at the end of October this time. Uh, roughly the 30th-ish. Yeah. But yeah, uh, happy Halloween, I guess. Happy Halloween. Ooh. I'm sure you guys are uh, doing this while handing out candy and uh, you guys are listening to the the sultry tones of Eric and Cody. Hopefully you're sitting around a fire pit, handing candy out, drinking beer. There you That's go. what I'm going to be doing. While listening to Pixel Guide In. While listening that is to the Pixel correct Guide way in. to do it. Yep. <laughs> well, as you guys know, uh, this is our catching up episode. I also have a segment coming up here where I talk about the Vectrix, and we have another tea time with Tim, our boy yes. over the pond from the Future Was 8-Bit. And, um, well, as we usually do, we're going to start this thing off with... Quick questions. Quick questions. I'll start this out. So, being Halloween. That it is. Do you have... All Hallows' Eve, as I like to call it. Exactly. Do you have any favorite Halloween games that you play during this time of season? I was going to try to answer anything you said with pumpkin spice. (laughs) (laughs) Unless there's a game, pumpkin spice. No, honestly, Halloween is... It's not a, hol- a holiday I've ever gotten very into. Um, mm. So I've never cared what time of the year it is to do something scary. I've always liked schlocky B horror movies. Yeah. Um, I don't need to wait to Halloween to watch them, or I don't need to watch them on Halloween. Yeah. Um, but is there anything Halloween-themed game-wise that I particularly like to do? Again, nothing because of the time of the year, so I'm going to say no. Okay. It's a lame answer, but if I was going to start a tradition, we talked about it in the uh, in the the August episode. But House of the Dead Two is a great yeah zombie shooter. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be my thing. I love that game. I have a tradition where I boot up a Halloween themed game on my bar top, and I play it through the whole October. I do remember this. I know what it is. Yep, but I won't it, say. well, it does. I won't tell. It does change a bit over the years. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, but um. I know but, what it was last year. Yeah, and it, it's pretty much the same this year. But I, this year, I'm going to actually put my arcade out on the porch while I'm sitting around a fire pit drinking oh, beer. Oh, that's cool. And I'm going to let kids play it if they want to stop and play it. I'm sure I'm going to... And sit by the a, fire and drink beer? Yep. Make a lot of parents Come on down, upset. kids. Yep. Come on down. You want a beer? <laughs> hey, um, hey, Mr. Trick-or-Treat. Here's a Bud Light. Yep. But for me, this year was the same as last year because I love the game. is Nightmare in the Dark, Neo yes. Geo game. It's kind of like a Snow Bros kind of game but i love it it's a just a fun 10 minute now, was that, game that wasn't if i remember right that wasn't officially released like they found it and it was completed and they released it later or was that actually released because i don't think i've ever seen it actually on a neo geo 
I don't think I ever have either, but I don't know its history, so mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. I know someone on Twitter recommended it years ago before I even finished my bar top, and I tried it, and I was like, this is a fantastic game. I love it. I'm going to have to pop that on. Behind me, behind me, I have my arcade one-up that I modded out, and I've got Knights of the Round, the beat-em-up rolling on that one. Yes. And then in true Halloween theme, I didn't do it on purpose. I just thought about it. The Luigi's Mansion. i got Luigi's Mansion over here on the GameCube, which we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So anyway, Nightmare in the Dark, it's a tradition. I'm going to boot it up and play that. In the past years, I've done uh, Super, or not Super, but uh, Ghouls and Go- Ghouls and Ghosts. Is that the name of it? Well, well, Ghosts and Goblins name. or Ghouls and Ghosts. Those Go- are two different games. I think games, it was Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. I've booted that up too. Uh, but Nightmare in the Dark is just so awesome. I love playing it. Great, great m- mechanics. So according to Wikipedia, uh, Nightmare in the Dark was pr- produced by, uh, not SNK, so... Um, AM Factory. AM Factory released by Eleven Gava King. Okay. On January twenty seventh, two thousand. So a very late game. The game never received an official release for either the Neo Geo AES or a Neo Geo CD platform. So I was right. See, I had I had uh, an iota of truth to what I say. But they did release it for the Neo Geo MVS. Oh, it does say that. Yeah. I saw it. In oh, AES is home system. Neo Geo CD is, yes. So okay. it never came on the home system, but it, it did come out for MVS over there, cabinet, yeah. upright, Neo Geo. So there were upright cabinets. Yeah, but at that point, the Neo Geo was yeah. on its last legs, if not completely gone for most of the, but yeah, it's but a it, great looking game. Know what? Ooh, know what I would put down for my Halloween game? What's I, that? I changed my mind. Okay, what's that? Uh, Commodore 64, my favorite game. Do you remember what it is? Yeah, um, I do. I do remember. What is it? Um... It's kind of it's similar naming structure to Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, it's uh, um, testing my brain here. I had to shift gears. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Oh wait, hold on. We still have the sound effect, or no? We or maybe we don't. No, we don't. It's the guy with the <laughs> shotgun. The, or Guns the and ghosts. Yeah. Guns and ghosts. That's, That's right. a great game. I love that. It's game. a beautiful game. I love that one too. Cool. All right, my quick question for you, Eric, yes. and for both of us is not a question. Yep. It's but yes or no. Game. A yes or no segment, and for that. I will simply at, uh, name a, a a topic. Yep. And you and I can only answer yes or no. Okay. No explanation. No warming around. Even though I did all that last time, you did you a did. great job. I couldn't handle myself, and it's probably gonna be the same again. I live by the rules. The answer is yes or no. And Dustin lived by the rules too. Yeah, he did. I just failed at my own game. <laughs> and everyone's gonna hate us when we're all done, and they don't need to know why they hate us because that's, right. that's not the game. All right, Eric. Yes or no? Okay. <clears throat> Collecting physical games. Yes. Yes. The TI-99 4A from Texas Instruments. Yes. Yes. All I can do is put pauses before and after things. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Sorry. The rewind feature on classic collections of games. Yes. No. Games that require shifting between time periods. Yes. No. Sour beer. No. Yes. <laughs> Flip phones. Yes. Yes. The movie War Games. Yes. Yes. Matthew Broderick now. No. No. <laughs> and that was yes or no. <laughs> Very cool. All right. All right. The best part about catching up, or I'm sorry, catching up. Best part about quick questions is that when we're done, 
It's we straight, get to drink the beer. Straight to the beer. Let's so, play drink the beer. So you got to explain this beer because you provided I, this Well, beer. my wife provided this beer. Oh, well, thank you. My wife wrote me today before I came over here and I was going to pick up beer. She's like, I already grabbed you some beer. And this is Howling Gourds Pumpkin Ale. Nice. Very Halloween themed. Yeah. I do not have high hopes. My wife and I are big into fall beers. Ooh, smell it. Uh-oh. Smell that first. Ooh. Yeah, that's... It smells like I walked into a... Uh, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I was going to say one of those, like, tchotchke stores for, like, 50-year-old women who, yeah. are, uh, who are trying to pick out new stuff to put on the wall for fall. That's like potpourri. When, when I go shopping, <coughs> when I go shopping with my wife and daughter, they'll sometimes want to jump into Bed Bath and Beyond, or not Bed Bath and Beyond. Um, what's that place that sells all the, the, the like lotions and stuff? Oh, Bath and Body Works. Bath, yes. <laughs> not that I, not that I know. Yeah, not that you would know. Um, when they go in there, I, I stay outside. I can't stand oh. the the menagerie of smells. It's I'm too like much. that whenever it, you. No one goes to Macy's or JC anymore, but the fragrance counter there. Oh right. my gosh, it's too. Oh much. my gosh, it's not so much. I don't like the smells. It's that all the smells together. Cheers. Yeah. Episode twenty one. Cheers. Yeah. I want you to start with this one. So he, the smell is very, very pumpkiny up front. P- pumpkin potpourri. So like I was saying, my wife and I love fall beers, and there, we have a couple pumpkin beers we really love. So let, I'm going to try this. I just did. The silence is palpable. Yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> that's got a very weird aftertaste that has pumpkin up front. Like it's the, funny because I watched your face go through the different emotions, the different phases yeah. of flavor. Ooh. When you first grabbed it, you're like... Hmm, it's beer. Ooh, that's not beer. Oh, no, that's not beer. <laughs> Those are the three phases I saw. Yeah, you know, pumpkin doesn't really have a flavor. It has the flavor of, like, pumpkin pie, which is the spices there in pumpkin pie, like allspice. And it's got a pretty sinister, like, allspice aftertaste. It It's almost chemical. Yes. Yeah. I think we're uh, decided on... Howling Gourds. Howling Gourds. What would you rate this out of um, fifteen jack-o'-lantern teeth? <laughs> fifteen jack-o'-lantern teeth. Well, one thing is it has seven percent alcohol. That's pretty interesting. Maybe that's what I'm tasting. Yeah, um, it's a little little high in the alcohol. Um, out of fifteen, uh, I would give it a. I mean, just on this first impression. Oh my gosh. Well, take seven. a second impression. I'll give you mine. I took three sips. I'm going to give it four, four to 15. I was going to say five, but yeah, you might be closer to the truth. I want four and a half jack-o'-lantern teeth. I want to, I want to like it because your wife bought it for us, but, um, she actually bought it thinking it'd be funny that we would probably hate it. Okay. Well, that's good. Feel free to to dig in. (laughs) I have not. So this was purchased at, um, Trader Joe's and I have never had a good experience with beers. I've never heard of at Trader Joe's. Yeah, this is a bad pumpkin experience. Brewed and bottled by, I can't even read it, Joseph Rao? Joseph Rao Brewing Company in San Jose, California. Uh, only 24 IBUs, Imperial Bitter Units. Right. Um, so, no, I wouldn't call it bitter. I would call no, it... it's not bitter at all. Um, paint thinner. Yeah. It, Oof. I, I got to admit, it, it tastes so like a... Acrid. Like, our, our favorite one is Buffalo Bills, and it 
tastes really good. It has a very nice pumpkin-y kind of pumpkin pie kind of flavor, but this one almost tastes like some kind of beer that just had like some chemical pumpkin flavor added to it. I don't taste pumpkin. I taste all the things that people put with pumpkin. Yeah. Like allspice and cinnamon and um, turpentine. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you put with that's your what I'm t- pumpkin pie? Apparently. <laughs> so that's what I taste. All right. Woo! All right. Well, that I'm going to be a trooper, though. I'm going to get through it. Uh, we're getting through this because I've yeah. got a, I've got a beer coming up that's um, that's not going to win any awards, but it's a solid beer. So we'll be able to wash this down. We'll be happy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh man, we don't do a rod on this show. We jump straight to catching up. I believe. Actually, we do. We do announce Patreon every episode. That we need to do. So our our Patreon doc, we we appreciate all of our mm-hmm. Patreon uh supporters and you can support us at patreon.com slash pixel guiden so you we, can buy so we can afford better beer please, please. <laughs> <laughs> holding a sign say we'll work for beer um some beer <laughs> exactly we'll work for certain i've beers. always said on this show that like i like all beer just at different levels yeah i changed my statement that's right <laughs> We will drink any beer, though, that anyone wants to send us. Please, if you guys want to send us an actual beer yeah. that you think is terrible because it's hilarious, go for it. Yeah. It's your money. So our <laughs> our subscribe, our Patreon supporters are Tim Drew, Jim Tessier, Heinrich, or Henrik. i got to get that one right. I'm going we'll to try to have get him I'm going to try show. to interview him next. Yeah. Lotta Fogged, Roy Fielding, Gary Heather, and Dustin Newell. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your patronage. We really do. And as we always say, if we can get three or four hundred more of you guys, we can quit our jobs and um, release this weekly. I don't know. Release a weekly live podcast. Yeah, there you go. Actually, I I haven't told you yet, but you're going to do something live on the show later. It's going to be cool. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, What else do we have? I just want to encourage people to go ahead and send us some emails. Uh, We want to take some ideas for the show. Yeah. We want to answer questions. Instead of quick questions, we'd like to hear your questions and answer them. Sure. So please uh, either reach out to us on Twitter uh, at uh, at Pixel Guiden, yeah. Or you can reach Eric at the Project D U H Project, or you can email or Twitter tweet, Twitify me, yep. At Oddball Forty Nine O D D B A One One Four Nine. I would love it if someone gave us some quick questions. You know, on my my interview with uh, Jim Tessier, I asked him some of our past quick mm-hmm. questions. I collected like four of them and asked him. Yeah, those. that was really cool. Yeah. Um. And then also you can reach us uh, via email, which is another way. If you don't, if you're not on Twitter, we get it. Whatever email, everyone has got email at this point. If you want to fax us, tough luck. You're going <laughs> right. to email us. Don't fax us. Um, and our email address is podcast at pixelguiden dot kizom. Kizom. Oh, com. That's how uh, Snoop Dogg says it. Yeah. All right. I think it's time for us to catch up, Eric. Yes. Catching up with Eric and Cody. Mm, Here we are again. That pumpkin ale just goes down so. <laughs> Drinking that somehow. smooth pumpkin. <laughs> Woo! Uh, hey, Eric. Hmm. This came uh, out of some pumpkin's wazoo. <laughs> it, yeah. Somebody, def- somebody milked a pumpkin's wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> and we just lost our family friendly rating. Uh, um. Our boy Tim, who yeah. has a segment for us later, Tea Time. We're yeah. going to have Tea Time later with Tim. Uh, yeah, he works for a little company called The Future Was 8-Bit, and they make some very cool parts. They do. Um, one of those parts I purchased a long time ago. I actually got two of them. Installed one in my 2600, and now I finally got around to installing the audio-video mod to my 7800. 
Which actually, because I did the 2600, yeah. this one went much quicker. Yeah, I can imagine. It's very similar. Yeah. Um, works great. Looks great. Not going to lie, I still have that same issue, which is just the fact that the form factor of the thing is not made specific to the 800. Right. So I did have to grind away some plastic and kind of move things, and I hot glued it in there again to keep it in place. Yeah. But now that it's there, working great. And my 7800 is all... Um, the other thing I would say, when you do the 7800, or the, any Atari, I think, 2600, mm-hmm. yeah. probably there were 8-bit machines, I don't know. Um, there is a little pot in there. Right. I do know about this. So, after a long period of time, those pots, they kind of get crusty. Yeah. And the colors will go out of sync, something will get weird. So I put the mod in, and I was noticing it worked... But the colors were kind of weird, and if I was, like, even barely touched the machine, it would, like, freeze up. Okay. Um, so what I found through both a little bit of experience and a little bit of research is you go in there, there's a little pot on the board. where You put a little mini Phillips screwdriver in there, turn that thing all the way to one side, then all the way to the other side. You get that, you just kind of work that crap out of there. Yeah. And then put it back to roughly where in the middle where it was. Yeah. And then you turn on your system, and you can tune the colors in to be correct. That pot is adjusting video signal somehow. Yeah, you just leave your case open and do that. I've had to do that with every VIC-20 I've owned. Okay. Like I've had to turn that to get the colors just right. And you have to get a color source, so I always just go on. Nowadays, you have the internet. I don't know what you did back in the day. I don't know what you referenced it to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nowadays, I bring up a screenshot of VIC-20 boot-up screen, and then I tweak it to match that. Well, know what they used to have for for all that stuff, and I don't know... No one really uses it anymore, but you should have a, a cart that was a color bar generator. Oh, okay. You know, you yeah, know like, yeah. like you always see before and after, like the TV, when it, the news back in the day when it got went off, you saw the color bars. or Yeah. Um, and that basically you could use that to, you know, line up the colors. To match them up. The color bar generator was always a set specific color. Um, I did another mod. Yes. I copied you, buddy. Yeah. I went ahead and ordered that, uh, what was it called? The XG... Zine... Zeno, Zeno Zeno GC Zeno GC which is X-E-N-O GC GameCube mod and this thing I mean it's dirt cheap God, I think uh, I got mine for $3.22 plus all, like $1.99 shipping it's the Mississippi mud of uh, <laughs> of mod chips yeah and I'm sure someone made it and it's been copied so many times anyways it, these, it's this super small little board with like one chip on it yep these are all Chinese clones that you get nowadays because I don't think anybody officially makes them anymore so I don't feel bad about no. Spreading this one, because there's certain boards that people that are getting copied, Everdrives and things like that, and I'm right. like, stay away from the Chinese stuff, buy yes. the real one from the real guy, get yep. real support. But this chip is so dirt cheap, and uh, you mentioned this pre- a couple shows ago that you did this mod, and uh, you wired it because... I'm looking at your face as you try <laughs> to drink this beer. I'm going to drink it, though. I'm going to do it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, me too. And um, So anyways, you, can, you, you did a version where you basically wired, put little leads on it, and then wired that to your board. Yep. And the, it was a little more time-consuming, but the brilliance of that is you could see what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> Which now I understand, because I've done it. I went ahead and tried the through-hole, through-board mod. Yeah. So basically, this board has five little holes in it, and yep. there are five little solder points. Yep. Actually, six holes, six solder points, but two of the holes are actually one big hole. It's weird. You got to drip solder almost over the end to make the connection. Correct, and and those and those two that are really close together are one big hole. So there's a solder you drip on one side of the hole, and one anyway, and drip solder on the other side. The the bummer about this is this thing goes straight to your board. So at first, and there's the contacts below it on the motherboard of the GameCube are very close together. Yes, 
So you can't quite see what you're doing. You can't. There's no way to get your um, meter under there to test if the connection on the top and the con- trace on the board are connected. That's right. Or if the one next to it have been touched. So you're really just doing your best job at putting line up the board correctly the first time. Uh, I heard some people put something over the other context so you can't hit it. Yep. Uh, I just kind of did my best to line it up right, hit the right spots, and I had no idea if I did it right or not. It felt accurate, but with six points, it's very possible to screw up one. It it looked... I watched videos, like several videos, try to figure out how to do it the best way. Yeah. And that's why I ultimately decided to move it to the side and use wires to every contact point. And even though I did it, and I did do it successfully, I don't think I'd do it again. You think you would just use wires? The fact that when I finished it, I'm like, dude, how am I going to get this thing off cleanly if it it isn't right? If it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, I'm literally going to have to solder suck everything off. Yep. Try to pull it off without ripping traces. Like yep. if it's if like you pretty much have to do this right the first time, otherwise, yeah, you're going to tear up your board. Yep, trying to get it off. I watched a guy. There's a guy on YouTube that does these kind of. You just send your GameCube to him, and he'll do it professionally. And he's a pro. He's just knocking them out, and he does it over like like just dropping it and soldering through the holes. Yeah. And he, and he knocks it out in seconds. I mean, it's pretty impressive. That's just yeah. some skills. I knew I didn't have that kind of soldering skills. I mean, I'm okay, but I'm not that great. So, you know, I liked our method. I, I moved the board to the side. There's like an area on the motherboard that doesn't have a lot of stuff going on. I just taped it to that area. Wires to the points. Easy peasy. Worked fine. And ultimately, the point of the mod, which we've both now done successfully in slightly different ways, mm-hmm. is that we can now play... Uh, backup games, right? That's Correct. The to, that's the internet way to put it, a safe way to put it. Yeah. But we can burn games. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have any of the mini discs because GameCube used the little mini CDs. Yes. And not only any mini CD, but specifically... Uh, where are they? Where did I put them? Ah, well, there's a specific size of mini CD. I don't know where I put them. Yeah, what are they, like 1.4 or something like that? Yeah, they're 1.4 and... My goodness, I don't know where I put them. That's bizarre. Anyways, uh, you have to get that specific CD. So I went on uh, Amazon and I did, or not Amazon, eBay, and I did find somebody and had a really good deal on a spindle of 20. Yeah. Um, But I couldn't wait, and I didn't have to wait, because all of a sudden my daughter told me that she answered the door, you were there, and you had dropped a copy of Luigi's Mansion off. Yeah, because I figured, I know you would, you're like me, I mean, you want to test that thing right away. And so I was like, I'll just give you this game. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. so the only weird thing is I've since burnt games. Yes. They all work perfectly. The mm-hmm. only one that doesn't work perfectly mm-hmm. is Luigi's Mansion. And I don't know why. Really? But when I put it in my GameCube and I turn it on, it'll sit there and think for like 10 seconds. And then okay. it'll say like disk error, like please check your instruction manual. Yeah. But if I power it off and then turn it right back on, it works. Okay. I don't know why. All the other games just work right on startup. Yeah, that Luigi's Mansion I sent you works works perfectly on mine. Yeah, it's really weird. I would imagine it's that little, like we were talking about, there's a potentiometer, a little screw thing in there that adjusts the laser's intensity. It could be something like that. You could just, it's probably just off a tiny bit, works with most things, doesn't work with a couple other little things. It might be that my laser's, laser's off and... You just adjust it. Yeah. But, but if it if it works the second time and it works fine, you're probably good. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me. No. So... I have played a good amount of Luigi's Mansion now. I've, I've beat the baby boss, the first world oh, boss, and I've gotten partially through the second part. 
I'm really deep in a couple other games. Yeah. Which we'll get to later, but um, I do plan on coming back. I do want to beat this. I did play, we've already talked about this, but I've, I've gone through the 3DS Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon game. Okay. Um, so I already kind of know the gameplay. Yeah. Plus a few things. Um, but this one's, I can see where it came from, and it's, it's a solid, solid fun game. Right on. So I got the next thing, I think, huh? Keystone Capers mm-hmm. on the Commodore 64. Have you seen this? I have seen that it exists, uh, a port on the Commodore 64 now. Yeah. But <laughs> did you like the Ports. original Keystone Capers? Yeah, it's, it's all relative. Um, <clears throat> I played it on the ColecoVision. Did you like it? And I did, very much, actually. Okay. It, was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I think I just need to play it a little more to get more appreciation for it. But when I played it, I was just like, okay, you're just running. You kind of run, go up some stairs, run back the other way, go up some stairs, run back the other Jump way. Jump over some stuff, go under some stuff. Yep, that's all it is. Okay, and so like I played three or four levels, and I thought, okay, this is kind of fun, but is there more to it, or is this it? Nope. But that's it. That's why I say it's kind of relative, because yeah. I played it on the ColecoVision, and I want to say I think there's a version on the Atari 2600 that's as well. That's the one I've played before, the Commodore 64 one. And I will say the... Commodore 64 one is excellent. The colors, the the sprites. It's well, an excellent port. It's an excellent port, but yeah, but it's still doesn't mean excellent. the game is excellent. Yeah, no, the game isn't like uh, I'd say the game's pretty uh, pretty basic. It's basic. That's um, why I say it's relative. It if I'm playing that on the 2600, it's like there's actually kind of a lot going on for a 2600 game. Yeah, but uh, there's did, not really a whole lot going on. <laughs> I, Activision usually made some pretty solid games on the 2600, but, but they are all very simple. Yeah. What I didn't understand, though, there's an elevator in the middle in Keystone Capers. Yeah. But I could never take it, because I'd go there, and it wasn't on my floor. And if I waited... Yeah, it had to be on the right floor. Yeah. Yep. But if you get in, I couldn't understand how to actuate it to make it go up. Do you just sit there and wait? Or I had no idea. I uh, On the ColecoVision, I figured it out, but it's been a while. As for sure. the Commodore, I don't know. It's probably the same, but... Yeah, um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just... I'd never used the well, elevator. Well, you did, Eric. Yeah. And I'm hurt. So I'm anyway. offended and I'm hurt. So I like it that it's a cool. <laughs> I like Chanley it. laughs at me in my misery. I like ports. I know you're they're not your favorite things, but I think it's interesting to see I, interpretation. I, mean, I, like, I don't dislike ports. I just they don't excite me because I played them. Their interpretations, I that game. but their interpretations of games on another platform, I always find that pretty interesting. Again, I like it when they are downgraded. Right. As we said in the previous show, like Halo 2600. Yeah. Uh, do you guys hear the uh, 404 coming through on the tracks back there? I do. That is our uh, friendly neighborhood train going through. I don't know how well you can hear that on this thing, but... Um, I can hear it in my headphones. I can hear this, the distaste for the beer in the headphones. <laughs> we're, um, we're both sucking this thing down. We are, though. No, I'm, I'm going to get through there. it. Um, I, I actually, when I go to sleep at night and I hear the train go by, actually it makes me feel kind of kind of comforting actually when i was a kid in vacaville um same thing i'd hear this train it made me feel like there's someone else awake and it just kind of yeah yeah and it soothed me to sleep it was very (laughs) it is very sweet i'm excited about your next uh catching up so yeah the uh, next catching up item here uh you'll notice i have placed a vectrex in front of you yes um i'm gonna do a segment on the well i just i'm going to do a segment on the vectrex uh later in this episode uh, but it is a very cool vector-based screen system. Oh, yeah. For those who don't know, from 82. Anyways, I've got it placed in front of you. Are you are you having trouble getting the... Uh, I'm getting, having trouble getting the joystick because I want to break this little tab off. 
Huh, I wonder why it's giving you Stuck. an issue there. I'm going to let you do it so I don't break your so tab. So you don't break it? Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to let you break it. It's lift up and then drop. There we go. Is that my go. beer there? Yeah. I think, it's been, I think it's been a little while since you've used your Vectrix. It has been, actually. Well, now we know. All right. So the okay. reason I've got a Vectrix in front of you is because we are going to, in a second right. here, crank this thing on, and I'm going to let you play one of my new catching up items. Okay. I'm ready. Drum roll. Vector Pilot. Vector Pilot. I've, I think you and I have both been thinking about this game for... Yep. Like three years now. I've wanted to get it, and it's always a little too pricey or not available, or something's always up. For the I longest time, well, for, when it first came out, it was like 80 bucks. Yep. Which is a lot. Which is too much for me, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. But um, the way I think about this kind of stuff is after it sold out, I don't know how many sold, like we went through like 50? Yeah. They were out for like three years. These things were going for like 300 bucks on eBay. That's right. So again, investment for me, right? Yep. Um, I do want the game. I do love the game. Um it's got the I went ahead and bought it because, for some reason, they started printing them again. Okay. So this came from Belgium. The guy uh, is in Belgium. And it was cool because I did buy it on eBay. They, I think right now they have like five left. Oh, um, wow. Five more available. I think they How made much like they? 20. You know, um, okay. They were $75 plus shipping, which is like 10 bucks. So okay. it was yeah. about, that, about that price still. So what's cool about this, though, is it comes with this huge, like, uh, bigger than a VHS box case, almost like the old Disney movies used to come in. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and it's just huge. It's huge. Um, built like a brick, um, the case. It's got a full-color manual, which is, I mean, awesome. Yep. Um, it's got this nice styrofoam insert. Here's the cartridge, so you can check that out, and then go ahead and plug it right on into the Vectrex there. And, of course, everyone's favorite part of this whole thing is it comes with two different overlays. So if you don't know, the Vectrex comes with overlays. Yep, that's how you get the color. Colorize the vector-based screen. Um, yeah, get it nice and snug there. Yep. And then I'm going to let you choose, Eric, which of these two overlays. There is a red one and a blue-green one. I'll take the blue-green one. All right, I agree that that is the cooler-looking one. Yeah. Um, you can go ahead and pop that over the top of the Vectrix there. And uh, I'm going to let you give that a quick play, but this is technically a um, review. review. That's right. It's time for a review! Okay. No pressure there. So go ahead and crank that puppy on, right? get it nice and loud so that the uh, listeners can hear the uh, sound. It has been a long time. Oh, to turn it on? Yeah. Oh, the knob in the front. That's right. The, the, the turn knob. it, turn it right. clockwise, and then yep. turn it further for volume. There we go. All right, you're gonna hear it go boop a doo. Maybe. Oh, I can hear it. There it is. Oh, that looks good. All right, check this thing out, dude. There is Time Pilot. Listen to that. One thing I was always impressed about with the Vectrex is the sound. Yeah, the like, sound, the sound is, is pretty amazing. good. Yeah, the game has been dedicated to the Canadian fighter jet. The Avro Arrow. So it's got really cool sound. Vector go ahead pilot. And, go ahead and tell me how, how it's going over there. Unfortunately, I don't have it set up so I can see what you're doing. But So now there's clouds going by and a big picture of a jet. And it just says start game, game configurations, or game options. Just go for it. Yeah, I'm just going to go Play for it. Play the game. So I'm going to hit start game. So I'm going to give you my review ahead of time here. Okay. I think I like this more than I like the arcade Vector Pilot. Or uh, Arcade Time Pilot. Time Pilot, okay. Of which the game is based off of. 
So that is the music, and that is like straight up the arcade music. So I am moving around right now. I heard I'm something trying to blow find up. which. Okay, so one of these games. Okay, so three button is one. pause. Is button one the fire? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't say it on the screen, huh? No, there is no. There we go. Oh yeah, so, so technically, I'll I'll say this while you play there. Button four is fire. Button four is fire. If you wanted to, instead of using the controls, you could use left and right uh, as buttons one and two. Gotcha. Oh, so I just and died. three is pause. Yep, you got to kind of get used to the controls again. Yep. No, um, no. Once I get used to the controls, I mean it. It the controls are very smooth, almost faster than the reg than the real time yes. pilot, which is nice. Yes. Because sometimes in Time Pilot, you're kind of getting out of your own way there. Yep. You're, you're your own enemy there. Exactly. But I just picked up a, a, a parachute guy, which is always nice. Get extra points. You grab points. the parachute guys for extra points. The first one's 1,000. The next one is 2,000. Then it's 4,000. Then it's 8,000. Yep. Getting formation should be extra points, just like in Time Pilot, if, if this is the same. So, like, when you see formations of planes, if you get all the formations, there are bonus points. Time Pilot's like a favorite of mine. Yeah, I really want to see you get past the uh, see, first boss here. See, so I got 2,000 extra points for doing a formation. Yep. Honestly, this is like... Yeah, so now I'm used to it, and it's just like Time Pilot. I just like... The, I even like the feel more. I went back and played the arcade version, and yeah. I love Vector Pilot. Uh, I, I love Time Pilot, too. So I, now I see the blimp, so let me try to get... So at the end of the level, once you kill enough uh, ships... I just did. Did you did you shoot it or did you crash into it? They, no. they both works. Check this effect out. I shot it. Isn't oh that cool? yeah, that is very cool. The, the the cool effects they do for when you so we we start in the 1940s. I want to say no, it was the 20s. Now we're in the 40s. So in the uh, 1920s, you're fighting like biplanes and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, actually, it's 1910 apparently. Oh, okay, 1910. Um, and they, 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 everything shoots. They drop like bombs, missiles at you, which kind of arc towards you. Then you fight the mothership, which is a, br a blimp. You make your way to the 1940s. Now you're fighting uh, like World War II planes, um, kind of early prop plane fighters. And then uh, the mothership is kind of big bomber. Yeah. Uh, if you to make your way past that, you hit 1972, which you're fighting helicopters like Nam. Yep. And then uh, a big old uh, double prop helicopter is the mothership. And yeah. then uh, make your way to 1984, where you're fighting, you know, your your jets, your F-14s, things right. like that. This one feels a little faster than Time Pilot. I mean, I like it because, I mean, I, like I said, I always feel like Time Pilot drags a little bit. Yep. This is a uh, this is very fast, and the the graphics Super are smooth. amazing. I li the graphics look like ridiculously cool. Yep. Um, they they look they're vector graphics. They look like Vectrix, but they're soup. They're like twice as detailed as any other vector Vectrix game I can think yep. of. There's a bar at the top that shows you your progress. Yeah, and then the the overlay there has a little color bar, which kind of helps you yep. see that. I guess to a point. To a point, if you're looking straight on. Yeah, Funny thing is, I'm looking down. You're on looking it, so, down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The colors aren't quite lined up with the overlay, but it, it's cool. But you know, at home on my Vectrex, I don't have any overlays at all. I have none. Oh no. I don't have okay. any original games. I have a multi cart. Well, you're gonna have to listen to the first 100 dollars this episode, Eric. Yeah, because exactly. I cover the Vectrex. Even though you're the one that introduced it to me, I'm the one who went out and got original games. Second boss done. Wow, you're doing pretty well. So you have to see where you can get on my uh, high score list there, because I honestly played this for a solid two hours. Oh, really? Already, and I yeah. only got this like a week ago. Yeah, I already, um, I've already died a few times. There's no way I'm going to get a high score, but I mean, I'm fighting the helicopters now. 
All right, so you're 1972. Yep. Listen to the sound of it. I just love this game. Yeah, I love the sound on the Vectrex, but on this game, it's awesome. This is just like, yeah, this is... I'm sorry, I know you said it's pricey, but I do not regret spending 80 bucks nope. on this game at all. Here are the homing missiles. Yep, so now when you're 1972, instead of the bombs dropping on you, they, uh, the Ooh, helicopters missile shoot missiles at you, and you kind of have to do uh, uh, donuts almost to kind of avoid them. Game over, 51,800. All right. I don't think that... Did it break the top five there? I no. doubt it. It might... Rank have. seven. Seven? Okay. Oh, I can put my initials in yep. there. Yep, pop your initials in there. I'm going to put dad. So now listen to this when you put your initials in. <laughs> <laughs> That's not from Vector Pilot, or from Time Pilot. Nope. That's the uh, Top Gun theme. That's right. So I'm sure they paid licenses on that. I'm sure they did. Actually, right now, are we going to get copyright infringement for having this on the show? Nah, because too eight, it's too eight bitty. <laughs> All eight right, bitty. go ahead, go ahead and cool. shut that bad boy off. I love it. It's what is your review on uh, Vector Pilot? Oh, this is fantastic. It's probably the best game I've played on on Vectrex. Yep, I agree. Yeah, this is I the agree. best game, hands down. And so, <laughs> so good. I, I got to get it now. Yeah, I'm so happy with that, and I think uh, we'll have to check out real quick here, but. Um, I'm pretty sure there's still a copy available if you want to grab it, and you should. It's so good. I think I might. Let me. Uh... And then once you get it, we'll release this episode so other people can get it. <laughs> I, want, I want to make sure you get it first. All right. Um, snap the thing back in. Yeah. Do you want to just put? I just put it back on the floor here. I'll unplug it. Okay. So, please listen further along in the episode here because I do a whole thing on the Vectrex. Um, a key part of that, Eric, for you just to know right now, is uh, have you ever opened that thing up and adjusted it? This? Yes. No, I never okay. have opened mine, and I should. <laughs> so I kind of go over that in that in that Cody's Corner slash first $100 segment, because um, I did some research on it, and I did it. Um, what are the adjustments? Specifically trying to make your picture and everything line up with the overlays. Okay. So if you never used overlays, yeah, not a big deal. I would never notice. But there are a couple things you could do if yours is not adjusted correctly, but I've okay. done some research and learned on it. But okay. Vector Pilot, I'm going to give it... See, it's hard for me to pick because so, as a Vectrix game, mm-hmm. this is this is a coveted score. It's never been given out on Pixel Guide N. Yeah, as a Vectrix game, I'm going to give this a. I don't care what number you pick out of that same number. Nineteen. Uh, four hundred eighty-seven out of four hundred eighty-seven homie missiles. <laughs> homie missiles. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a hundred percent. This is amazing. It's an amazing game. The average age of the combat soldier in Vietnam. I will give it one point off of perfect. I will give it a 9.9 score simply for the fact that you get this huge case, which you're like, dude, that thing is huge. Why is it so big? Because it fits the overlays. Nope, it doesn't. No, it doesn't even go in there. It goes on the outside. It goes in the back because it still doesn't quite fit the overlays. That's the only downside to the whole thing. But it comes with two overlays, comes with the blue and green, and then you didn't even try it with the red one. Yeah. Uh, the red one is doesn't look quite as cool, Yeah. but it's easier to play. Oh, is it really? Just because it's not as dark. Okay. So it's a little easier to see uh, everything. But, um, I mean, you get two overlays. How cool is that? That is cool. And these overlays are like 20 25 bucks each alone just to get them made for, like, custom games. So. No, I need to get it. I got to get it now. I'll apologize to your wife for showing <laughs> you that. It's so good. That game is so good. It is good. So I suggest you guys go get it, even though it's probably all, all sold out by the time we release this on the fifteenth. But ah, uh, sorry, I got all I got all no, giddy. No, it's beautiful. I got all giddy there. 
All right, so I got a story for you with this other one. Do tell. Let me just sip on this fine beer. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> mm. Let me just choke on this fine beer. So let me tell you a little story about this. And I, I know we've covered this game on Pixel Gaiden before, a few episodes back. Mm, dangerous Driving. Dangerous Driving. So this is made by the same group, roughly, the same group that makes the Burnout games. And as yes. everybody knows... And you were so excited about this that one. ...listens on Pixel Gaiden. I'm a huge Burnout fan. I love Burnout. Mm-hmm. So I thought, this is going to be awesome. Well, and, and, and I'll wait till I talk about it, but... I'll shut my lips. So I go to GameStop a couple weeks after its release, well, and I'm your, like, "There's your first problem." Well, I, I just go in there because I want. Hey, but I'm trying to get the physical copy. So I, I go. That in, I like. So I go in there and I'm like, "Hey, I want this physical copy." He's like, "I've never even heard of that game. I don't. We don't have that game. Let me look it up." He looks it up and he's like, "No, that must be a digital only game." So it sounds that's like a what GameStop employee. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. I actually have a button. <laughs> <laughs> no, GameStop. I go to another one, and same tells me it's a different story. It's like we just don't have it. I've never heard of it. Blah blah blah. So two for two. Yep. So I I do go on the Xbox shop, and you can download it digitally. But I'm like, I'm not really. I've got other games to do. I, I I'm not chomping at the bit to buy this, so I'm just gonna let it go. So I let it go, and then one day I'm like, I go into GameStop, just, I think it was maybe three weeks ago, and this is on the shelf used, <laughs> and it's, okay. was, I think it was 28 bucks. All right. So I went and grabbed it. What was the new price? Um, Supposed it was, to be. It wasn't full price. It was like a 39 dollars Yeah, yeah. From yeah. places that knew what it was? Yep. Yeah. So I have it, and it's physical. I got the physical copy. It is funny that GameStop never carried this new that I've ever saw. No place locally has ever carried this new. I don't know where they got this used copy from. So, hmm. anyway, I got this used copy. The, the The short of it is that it it's fun. It's a fun game. It's, it is Burnout. There's something I can't put my finger on. It lacks some polish that okay. the other ones had. I don't know if you've played Burnout, but like there's a DJ and there's really good music soundtrack to Again, it. Again, I've only played... Um is it four paradise yeah burnout paradise yes. and that's a good one it has a great paradise. soundtrack um there's a dj that talks in between helps you out so with things. i played and I, I played all the way through I yeah it. But, but you liked it right oh yeah i loved it oh okay so and i played isn't Bur- it sad that when you asked me if i played a game i say i played all the way through and beat it and you're like did you like it yeah because you know if i don't like it i'll still beat it i still have to that's right so this is a lot of the same really cool elements, but there's just something I can't put my finger on that is, it, it lacks polish, the things in between the screens, there's no DJ, the soundtrack's not that great. I don't know, Burnout to me is like this thing I look forward to for all the elements, and this this just doesn't have it all, but it's not a bad game at all, it's actually pretty good. So it has all the same Burnout competition, same racing, same fast-paced yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not a bad game at all, but I'd probably give it like maybe six and a half, seven out of 11. Out, out of 11. Out of 11. Okay. Uh, so, if you put that in a normal like percentage scale, it would be like 62%. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I just pulled up Metacritic and they gave it a 62%. <laughs> Yeah, that's not great. Which, but I mean, which IGN, Metacritic is a combination of everyone else's score, right? And IGN gives it a seven point two. Seven point two. I've seen I, people give it a five. So on average, it gets a sixty-two. Actually, the user score is lower than that, which user score is usually higher. But yeah, 
So everyone kind of agrees with you. And if you remember on the last show, I, we talked, um, I had heard that people were kind of giving it lukewarm reception. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's, it, it, it's a fun game. It just doesn't have the spit and polish as burnouts do. So yeah. something about it is like, I think one thing is I kind of liked the more uh, cartoony, I don't want to say cartoony aspect of burnout because it's not cartoony at all, but the animation in the originals was very blur, like fast. It gave you this, the feeling of fast. Yeah. Um, it having more realistic driving like environment and, and cars almost does burnout a disservice. Kind of sanitized it. Yeah. It makes it less of an arcadey kind of game gotcha, and more of yeah. a simulation. I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's a fun game. I'm glad I got it used. I'm glad I found it in a physical format. Um, it's a, it's a decent game. Okay. Yep. I'm a little bummed out for you. Now you need to try uh, uh, Wreckage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Have you seen it since we talked about that? I did. I saw I mean, I've seen the physical version of it. It's called Wreck... Um, is it Wreckage or Wrecked? Wreck... Wreckfest. Wreckfest. Yep. That's right. Um, so just as a counterpoint... I just saw it at Target today. Oh, did you? Yeah, I saw it in there. I, was I like, mean, it oh. looks really cool, and it's vehicles from all different eras. Um, yeah. And just as a counterpoint, Metacritic, eh, 82%, so not amazing, but yeah, um, I've heard good, really good things about it from users, at least. Okay. GameStop gave it a 4.5, Metacritic, 82, Push Square, 7 out of 10, so it's kind of all over, I guess. But yeah. I think for that itch, I think that might be a better solution. I want I kind of want to try that one, but all right. Okay. All right. These next two ones are biggies for me, so okay. I'll start with number one here. Um, I want to open this real quick <laughs> yeah, and explain something real quick before Aaron from the Amigos calls us out again. I say us. Yeah. We do not have a money tree in our front yard, Aaron. No, we do not. <laughs> he he uh, assaulted our show <laughs> by saying that he wishes he had a money tree in the front yard. So, uh, and this is a bad example because I got a bunch of good stuff this month. Yeah, you did. I saw that. But to be fair... I have been, as I've been mentioning previously on the show, I was going to do this. I've been selling Super Nintendo games. I don't know if you can tell that there's less up there. I can. I have been selling uh, Genesis games. I have been selling uh, Neo Geo Pocket games, and we'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay. Um, I have also sold that Macintosh 2. So between all these things, I did, in fact, create my own small money tree. Yes. And loaded up my game fund. Yeah. I have since blown through all that. Yeah. So how did I do that? Step one, uh, I turned into a complete jerk, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Last month, you asked a question. You said, if you had unlimited funds, yep. what is the number one thing you would have to buy retro gaming-wise? I said a Neo Geo stand-up arcade. Yep. You said an Atari Jaguar. And like a jerk, I ended up buying your Jaguar. Right. Gosh, I'm a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. <laughs> I felt like I did feel like a jerk. I listened to you, and I'm like, that honestly was kind of up on my list. Yeah. Just because it's something that is going up in price like crazy. It is. It's something I do. Like, I had one friend that got one once, but I never actually physically saw it or touched it because he returned it so quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because PlayStations were out at that point, and I guess they got it because it was cheaper. And then he actually played it. It's like, that's not a PlayStation. And he returned it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, have you ever actually touched a Jaguar? Because I had not. I don't think I have, no. I've never actually played with, touched, 
seen a Jaguar. Nope, I don't think so. Eric, just, just like me, that is the first Jaguar I have ever touched, seen. It's heavier than I thought. It is heavier, and I do like the style of the cartridges. The cartridges have that cool um, little handle handle on the back, and uh, it came with one game. You can see what it is there. Doom. I got it with Doom. Now, the reason I got the Jaguar is not because I just decided to snipe your hopes and dreams. <laughs> sure. I got it because I found someone who was selling it as a pretty good deal on eBay. Yeah. And they also had the best buy or the uh, uh, best offer. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw an offer out there and see if they accept it. If they say no, they say no. But it'd be cool if, it, if it'd be cool if they accepted it. I always do that too. And they accepted it. And I'm like, oh crap! Like I had that sense of dread and the blood drained out of my face. Yeah. I'm like, I just spent like half the money I just made on all this other stuff. Yeah. And I took Eric's hopes and dreams. <laughs> like it hit me all at once. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. I did get it. I got it complete in the box. Yeah. Boxes up there. Um. And also came with a tip guide, like a one of those thick manuals, kind of like you used to work at at a yeah yeah Prima at Prima. I don't think it's Prima, but it's 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 got like the first fifteen Jaguar games in it. Okay. Um, but yeah, got Doom on there. And then I want you to check this out because everyone complains about the Jaguar controller. Right. In fact, when I took pictures of it and put it on Twitter, I had a few people respond to me, and they're like. Is wow, that, how are you dealing with that controller? Ha, yeah. ha, ha. And I responded, like, like a phone and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, have you actually tried the controller? And they see, all responded to me, like, honestly, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, see, I always looked at it and go, well, that's that's a lot better than your Atari 5200 controller. I can tell you that. I can guarantee that's you true. that. Um, so if you haven't seen this thing, it is big looking. It's yeah. got It's got, like, Genesis uh, ABC, but they're backwards. It says CBA. Okay. Uh, and then it's got this whole pad below it that has like a number pad. One, it's like a telephone, one through nine, and well, it's, it's like the way the Atari Fifty Two Hundred had it. it. Had a pad yep. on it. It's one through nine asterisk, asterisk zero number pad. Yep. Um, and then, like the Intellivision, when you get a game, depending on which game, in my case, Doom, you get a little overlay. Yeah. Which snaps right into your controller, and that is. People make fun of that. It is honestly the most underrated part of this system. I think it's super cool. Yeah. So as a kid, and it's I had to feel the, that thing, and I had the Atari Fifty Two Hundred. Uh huh. The gamepad actually lets you have kind of deeper games because you could do things on the keypad, like yeah. you know, go to inventory or change a weapon or whatever. You could use the buttons to do things. So this feels pretty good. So the D-pad's a little squishy when you're playing it. it is. Honestly, it it's works a fine. Flat. It's like I wish it was raised a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wish it was a little more, not clicky, but um, I don't care about the clickiness, but a little more actuation. Yeah, a little more feedback. Yeah, a little more feedback, a little more movement. It's a little squishy, but when you play it, it works just fine. You just kind of go, oh, it just doesn't feel great, but it works fine. See, this Um, this feels good in the hand. It does feel good in the hand. And you and I have bigger hands, to be fair. Of course we do. Yes, we do, Eric. <laughs> and you know what that means. More Halloween candy to hand out. Bigger gloves. <laughs> um, but uh, I ended up playing a lot of Doom with that. Yeah. Uh, and I actually love the controller. So the overlay there, if you'll see what see what Doom did with it. Yeah, they put they the, basically have they put all the weapons on there. all the weapons on there. So if I want the bazooka, I just go hit bazooka. It's like a quick. Almost like a, a macro, like a, like if yeah. you would on a PC, like, hey, hit this, and it well, switches the button. And I played some, as a kid, I played uh, the shareware version of Doom, which is like the first seven levels, the first yeah. quote-unquote episode. And uh, and I couldn't imagine having to, like, scroll through all the weapons. Like, you just hit five for Bazooka, or six for the rocket launcher, or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, one for the either fists or the uh, chainsaw. Yeah. 
so that's what you have there. You just hit the button. This is I, um, I, there's this a button feel, on there for the map, which is yeah. extremely handy. This feels good because, and mainly this, the two ribs on the back, like these two, you can like hold onto it with your hands. It's like a Dreamcast controller. It's great. It looks, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Except the cord does come out the top, which is correct, unlike the Dreamcast. That is correct. Um, so it came with Doom. Um, I'm like, oh, cool. It came with Doom. It's part of the reason I bought it because Doom is actually a fairly, fairly pricey game. It's worth yeah. like 50, 60 bucks. And I'm like, well, that was basically, I mean, I got the Atari for a deal and basically Doom thrown in for free. I'm like, yeah. sweet. Um, I do plan on getting the Retro HQ SD cart. Oh, I thought you had ordered that already. Uh, it, he he made a, a run, and now he's, it's going to take a few months to get more. Can't get more, okay. Yeah. Um, I do plan on getting that. Um, Funny thing is, I think I might buy that, even though I don't have a Jaguar. Just because, <laughs> well, because you got to do both at the same time. There's well, no some, reason. Someday, you just won't be able to get that SD card if he's doing runs of them. They're never going to be available in a storefront or something. Correct. No, so, they won't. Eventually, I'll get a Jaguar. It's just I I haven't been able to pull the trigger on it, like the like the amigos say, like the money tree. I money, your money tree the, is running thin, Eric. The reason I don't buy one right now is I just don't. They're, they're expensive on eBay, so I have. You're a liar. Trigger. Aaron told me you have a money tree. I have no money tree. Um, I don't even have a money bush. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I am stoked about my Jaguar, and um, one of the people we talk to a lot on online is. Uh, she goes by Ballspawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who she is? I think her name is, I want to say, Tilly. She's the Ballspawn. Anyway, she's yeah. really into Doom. Okay. So, I, so I, I prodded her and said, hey, have you ever tried the definitive version of Doom, which is the Jaguar Doom? Yeah. And she was highly offended. <laughs> um, but I did realize that I've never actually played all the way through Doom. I played the episode, for episode one on my keyboard. Yeah. My, and I usually just played a little bit. I, never actually, I don't think I even beat that. So I'm like, you know what? I've got a Jaguar in one game. I'm going to beat Doom. Yeah. So I beat Doom. That's awesome. Took me four days. Um, one thing that kind of bums me out, and this goes back to the whole kind of arcade port thing, Yeah. is you plug this in, turn it on. Yeah. Um, you see Doom, you have options, and one of the options is what level do you want to start on? So you can just pick the last level. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of lame. Like, it'd be cool if there was a way to save. Like, as you play, you can save, and then you can go back to that level. That but just would from be... the beginning, you just kind of have to... It's an honor system with yourself. Like, I made it to level 17, and I'll start at level 17. I think that's the key, is it's got to be an honor system with yourself. Yep, and that's what I don't like. <laughs> I don't trust myself, Eric. Right. Um, but no, no I, I, did, I did go through this uh, piece by piece and um, played all the way through it. What I learned about this game is, cool, it's kind of a mashup. So it's got levels from Doom, it's got levels from Doom 2, and it's got levels from Final Doom. Oh, really? And they're kind of like, it's kind of like a best of to a point. Yeah. They're kind of mixed together. So this is kind of, it's, it's you can find these levels in all the other games. There's, I think there might only be one or two original levels, maybe not. Okay. But for the more, most part, this is just a mashup, um, unlike uh, Doom 64, which is a unique Nintendo 64 Doom. Um, but I went through and played through an entire Doom game and beat it. Cool. Um, How's the video out of that? Is it RF or composite? So it's interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I heard online, uh, again, on a, on a review that I only have RF right now. Okay. And I heard the RF was terrible. Okay. I kept hearing terrible. So I was already online pricing. There's a, a port right here. It's funny. It's all one physical slot. Yeah. Being to see two cards. Yeah. So that side is one port. 
And you can, uh, I think it's 28 bucks or someone online selling an adapter I can plug that into and get composite out. Okay. I'm going to do that eventually. Yeah. But I did the, uh, the RF into my little CRT down there. Yeah. And at first when I turned it on, it was all fuzzy and grainy. I'm like, oh, shoot. It does that for like two seconds and then clicks clear as can day. As can day? Clear yeah. as can be. Yeah. Or clear as day. Sure. Either one of those. Not clear as can day. Um, so I did have to play it on my little CRT. I do want to make it so that it goes composite so I can convert everything to the one yeah. setup I have here. Uh, but I played through the whole thing on my little 12-inch CRT. Yeah. And I uh, loved it. All it the is, Doom sounds were there. Yeah. It's funny that all the Ataris were always... They, they didn't go into composite till much later. Yeah, even... The, yeah, right. Even the Jaguar, which is 64-bit. I mean... So I did some research on that, too, because I looked at the library, and it feels like a 16-bit library. Yes. And a lot of the games on here seemed like ports of Atari ST games. Yes. And in fact, nowadays, there's someone out there that had been releasing ports of ST games you can now put on the... The Jaguar? The Jaguar. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I really got this, and because that cart came out, now I can do it all. I don't think I would have paid this much for the system if I still had to buy each cartridge. Right. That wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, Even though it is a pretty, pretty, from what I hear, a, a possible way to collect have a full library of something the jaguar is still possible yeah there's nothing crazy expensive on it and yeah it's a very, and there's not that library. many games there's 200 something right but a certain somebody has tilted me away from that path yeah i'm currently selling physical games so i can buy hardware and retro and correct drives essentially correct, correct uh which i do think is the way to go yes uh with most systems yeah yeah vectrix not being one no um so where was i going with that <laughs> Um, so you're going to get the composite output eventually. I'm going to get that eventually. Um, oh, it's, just, it's a cool system. Yeah. They also did come out with a, a Pro Controller, which has six buttons. And oh, that okay. thing goes for like 80, 90 bucks nowadays. Okay. Um, but I did, you know, eventually I'm going to get that cart, but I wanted to have some complete physical games. Yeah. And to play something else. So I did pick up... This one's actually not complete. It's just the game and... Um, the overlay and the box. But this is the one that came with the system. It's Cybermorph. Cybermorph. It did not come with my system, but it yeah. came with the system. That sounds familiar. And it's uh, it's actually kind of cool. It's almost like a Star Fox, but it's not on rails. You actually can go 360 and stop and go forward and backward and do stuff. Okay. And then I also picked up... Now, this game is actually considered one of the worst games. I've played it. It is nigh unplay. Actually, it is unplayable. This game is not worth owning, playing, anything. <laughs> Checkered flag. Checkered flag. Now... I got it because, if you look at it, that is a complete game with a box manual. It looks like it came right off the shelf. It looks brand new. The so that box is, is in perfect condition. That is just shelf candy. That is all that is. And I got it for like under 10 bucks. Yeah. So that is what this is. And I did play it just to experience how bad it is. Oh my gosh, it's unplayable. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. So what I wanted to point out is a lot of people say this system was awful because they compare it to like the 32-bit systems, sure. Saturn and PlayStation. Yes. This did not try to compete with those. Yeah. Now, Atari, at this point, was making bad business decisions regardless. Yes. Um, and this was one that killed them. Whatever. Or it was the last one, but whatever. Yeah. This was actually made to go up against the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, which are 16-bit systems. Yep. And, in fact, you can find commercials online where they're saying, hey, that's only 16-bits, this is 64 well, this could do stuff that those couldn't do. In fact, this was competing more or less with, like, the 32X. Yeah. And the FX chips game from the Super Nintendo. Right. Um, and then to some point, I think the 3DO was out at this point. Yeah. Um, 
but then very shortly after that, PlayStation and Saturn came out in reverse order, but um, and just killed it. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I'm going to get one someday, but I'll have to wait and just drool over your Jaguar. You say that, but just keep an eye on eBay and try to... You know, yep, I will. Because I wasn't looking for one. I honestly found a deal that I just... I'm like, that's a good deal, but there's a best offer. Let's see if I can do something a little better, because... Yeah. If I can get something that good, I'll go for it. And they accepted, so I'm like, okay. Right on. So, super stoked about that. Cool. I will squeeze in something real quick here. So I went to our local gaming shop, Legacy Games. Legacy! And I had a long conversation with the guy in there, but he did tell me that they have a current deal with um, Hyperkin to do all these cables. And they've been making cool stuff. Yep, and these cables, so I, as I had mentioned on the previous episode, (laughs) (laughs) looking at both of our beers, they're still half full. I'm working on it. Um, I picked up the GameCube slash N64 cable last time, and it- it, it, You were very happy with that one. I was very happy with that one. So I picked up, they have the full line now at Legacy, full line. I didn't put the the cables- This box is empty. Yeah. Um. The funny thing is the Dreamcast one is unpowered, and the PS2 one is powered. You have to power it with a 5-volt. Oh, okay. Um, so I I went in there and I purchased it. They had the Genesis one, too, but my Genesis is modded for S-Video, so I didn't feel like I really needed a cable for it. My Genesis looks great. But I really wanted that Dreamcast one, and I it does not disappoint. That Dreamcast one is even better than the GameCube one. Oh, really? It does... A beautiful image on even an LCD flat panel TV like like I have at home. 480p. It looks as good as say like my Xbox. I mean, as crisp and clear. It's, yeah, I heard the video inside the Dreamcast is much better <laughs> than the outputs on the Dreamcast. Yep, and I don't know if you heard, but like on Dreamcast, a big deal was to get the VGA adapter. Yes. They have a VGA adapter, and some games just look beautiful. That adapter from Hyperkin is. It is amazing. It looks fantastic. The PS2 one looks great, but that Dreamcast one is worth the money. So if you were thinking about getting any of these, that Dreamcast one is beautiful. It's amazing. I might trick out my Dreamcast, do this, and then do the the SD mod. The, yeah, yeah, the GD, GDEMU. Yeah. GDEMU? MU? That might be a... Because that's a system I could just plug into my flat screen and leave it there. You could put it right on that, and it looks beautiful. The PS2 one actually looks good. The PS1 through it looks okay. Um, so I'd say out PS1, of these... PS1, just... The, that's archaic 3D. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Sorry. So, so far, I'd say if you're going to buy any of these Hyperkin cables, they're all about 30 bucks. Um, the Dreamcast one is worth every penny. Yeah. Like it looks that, amazing. That would be uh, the next thing I grab in there. The PS2, PS1 is 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 great, and then the GameCube one is is pretty good too. But yeah, so anyway, that was a pickup at Legacy last time. Uh, no, it's interesting. Hmm. This beer makes my breath smell. Does terrible. it? Oh yeah, I can smell my own breath. I'm gonna go ahead and make sure this candle's still lit. Yep, it's going. It's going. <laughs> in fact, I'm covering up like a fall pumpkin spice beer scent with a, like a fall pumpkin spice tobacco scent from the candle here. Yeah. Um, but somehow, somehow. Cocoa oh, update. Tell all me, right. Give me a cocoa update. Oh my goodness. Eric, the Tandy <laughs> color computer. It's been a thorn in your side. my shorts. Yeah. Okay. So. 
And I feel bad are... because I bought one and like it just works and it's everything's perfect on mine. Oh, it's like great. it looks that's, great. It looks perfect. It works that's, perfect. That's good for you, Eric. That's good for you. <laughs> well, I just feel bad because I mean I got mine super cheap and it was awesome. All right. So I can't remember last time where we stopped, but I basically bought brought in some RAM chips. Yep. And upgraded the RAM. Did we talk about this last time? Yes, we did. Okay. And I got it working. Long yep. story short. And you were going to get the ROM, the basic ROM for it next, right? That was the next step. I had it ordered from Hobby ROMs. Which. Hobby ROMs. I have my little envelope here. Hey. It came. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. So, the 64K upgrade worked great. I went. So. <laughs> that's me reversing. The Tandy Coco 2, Color Computer 2, is the second color computer based off of the Tandy original color computer, mm-hmm. sold at Radio Shack here in America as the TRS-80, and then TRS-80 Color Computer, then TRS-80 Color Computer 2, mm-hmm. eventually 3. So, I got a 16K version. You showed, gave me your, S, your Coco 2 SD cart, yep, which is a SD solution to put games onto your Color Computer 2. Yep. Um, or, I guess, technically, no, it had to be Color Computer 2. Um, found out it was not working in my color computer, even though my color computer is working fine. Okay. Looked into it. Two things. One, it couldn't run that cart unless you had extended basic. Okay. And two, extended basic only works on 64K color computers. So A, I had to upgrade to 64K, which I did. And now I need to get extended basic on my Coco 2. Also, when I opened this thing up and started doing all this stuff, I noticed this huge blue wire, and like it went three different places, and there was two chips stacked on top of each other and soldered in different spots, like piggybacked, and it looked wrong, and I reversed all that, and then it didn't work, and I put it all back together, and it worked again. Right. So I'm like, okay, I guess it was supposed to be like that. If you recall, my version of the board is a Korean version of the board, which is not the same as all the other versions of the board. Right. Because they started making them Korea, and they changed the board. Um... Got my new ROM, popped it in there, turned it on, didn't work. Didn't work at all. Made a mess on the screen. And I'm like, oh, shoot, that's not good. No. And I'm like, well, maybe that's because I don't have it swapped out. All the jumpers haven't swapped from 64K to 128K. We're getting getting too technical here. I should hit talking tech, but I'm not going to take the time. So basically, these run off of a different structure. Long story short, there's five jumpers in there you swap into 128k the korean version has a 28 pin rom uh holder when the basic rom is only 24 pin okay. that was what was in there it's physically only covering all but four pins yeah so this one's now 20 128k 28 pins when you switch all those jumpers over it uses all 28 pins and it becomes the extended basic two version of the programming whatever okay the, the system yeah oh my goodness it's boring and technical i get it so i got online threw it out to twitter said what's going on our boy josh malone said i just came back from the tandy thing you need to talk to the guys at glenside complete computer club yeah these guys are in glenside illinois near chicago okay and they're like the last bastion of like tandy nerds that just love this stuff (laughs) okay sent it out to them one guy responded he's like hey i just took pictures of my own actually it was really cool because I, I reached out to them on their website, which is kind of an archaic website. Three days went by, heard nothing. And then the one of the guys wrote to me and said, hey, just to let you know, 
on Facebook, we've been trying to fix your problem for like three days. <laughs> and he's like, nice. do, he's like, do you want to do you want to be part of the page? I'm like, heck yeah. So I signed up and saw there's like 28 responses to him reposting my question on their Facebook page. Okay. Their group. Yeah. So they totally helped me. They took pictures of their own Korean boards, the few that had the Korean board, and they have that same big blue wire and the same double stacked. Oh, interesting. So that was a factory solution. They, like they created the smaller board to make it cheaper in Korea. Yeah. And then it didn't work right. So I guess they put that same chip on the other chip and just reused they, like, certain pins. It, yeah, yeah, yeah like, it was the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, and uh, that's from the factory. Um, so basically, they came down to the point where they're like, you know what? It's, from everything we're seeing, you've done everything right. Everything looks fine. We're pretty sure the guy who built your mom put the basic and the extended basic backwards. Okay, which would make sense because if those are in the right spots, it should work. So did you reach out to that guy? So I have not done that yet. In the meantime, but while all this is happening, I said, you know what? One way or another, I'm going to get this thing working. So I went ahead and ordered myself a Coco 2 SD, uh, a Coco SDC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So here it is. Mine is in white. Oh, Actually, it looks really good in white. It looks nice. Um, it's pretty. You can see... Uh, 3D imaging has come a long way because that printer actually looks pretty smooth. That looks a lot better than mine. You've seen mine. I mean, mine's fine, but it's it's, fine. it looks like a 3D print job. And you got puke green, as you like to put it. I did, yeah. I still got the four dip switches in here. I got my... It still uses the bigger SD, not the micro. Yeah. Looks pretty. Great. Whatever. There's a button there. Yep. Um, but this doesn't do crap for me, Eric, does it? Not right Because now. I do not have a Coco 2 that works. Well, hopefully that guy will just burn a different ROM for you with the right thing. Hopefully. Um, so I was looking into it though, and I'm like, color computer two, it's gone up in price, but I'm taking a 16 K. I put five bucks into new Ram. I put 30 bucks into a ROM chip. I'm up to like 75 bucks now. Even when I'm done with this, it's got RF only out. I think there's a cable you can get. There's a cable you, there is a cable you can get, but I mean, the RF on that actually looks pretty decent too. Yeah, but I don't have... I have that little... T- anyways. Oh, okay. So then I'm like, well, now let me look into AV modding this thing. Yeah. And that is... There used to be a board for like 45 bucks. Yeah. But they don't make it anymore. So right. I'm like, goodness. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do at this point? Yeah. So I went ahead and found a solution, Eric. What's that? Oh, no. Did you buy another one? <laughs> hey! Color Computer 3. Oh, no. You got the Color Computer 3. I just went up a lot. Because that has AV right out the back, Eric. That does. AV, and it has uh, 128K, right? 128K. Actually, no, I opened that up. It has 512. This one does? It's got 512K. It's been upgraded to 512. Where'd you get this? eBay. eBay. So that was really cool. Do you know why that was so cool? Why is that? First of all, I can now, any game that's for the color computer, that'll play anything. That This will play anything. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's 128K color computer games. It'll do everything. Uh, it's the same form factor as the Color Computer 2, but if you look on there, the I don't know how much you know about it, but um, the keyboard also has up, down, left, right keys on there. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, they added a few things. Yep. Um, but the reason I got that was another great deal. Yeah. Because I was kind of keeping my eye out for, for Color Computers and looking at things, <clears> and <throat> someone was selling a Tandy computer. Yeah. This is more or less a quote. A Tandy computer with an oak, uh, with a multi-oak. I'm like, what on earth is a multi-oak and what Tandy computer? Yeah. And it was a auction. So I was like three days out and I was looking at it and I'm like, they didn't say which Tandy computer was. And I looked on the pictures and zoomed in. I'm like, it says 128K. Like, that's the color computer three. 
that's worth a lot of, you know, relatively more money. It is, yeah. Uh, at least in the color, well, Color Computer 2 is going up a lot, so. Um, and then the multi-oak, if you look at a keyboard, right next to the O is a P. It's a multi-pack is what it was. So it's just a typo. So it came with the multi-pack. Yeah, and I've read about this. And that thing alone, I'm honestly not going to use that because I'm just going to run games. Yeah. So that thing alone is almost worth what I paid. So I'm just going to resell that. Yeah, the um, multi-pack is pretty neat because it goes into the side here and then you can have multiple cartridges. You've got four cartridges and a selector switch on the front Yep. that selects slot one, two, or three, or four. Yep. And then it's got, you have to have power on the back. Now, I have not plugged that in and tried it, um, but from what I hear... And I want to make sure that's supposed to work with the Color Computer 2, but if you want to use it with the Color Computer 3, you need to make sure, and hopefully this guy did, um, that it has an updated chip in here. Okay. You swap a chip out, otherwise it can actually confuse the logic on that thing and actually can fry chips. Okay. But I guess I'm supposed to plug this in and do a peek and a poke. <laughs> yeah. A peek and a poke. And depending on what answer I get back, it'll tell me if this has been upgraded to work with the Coco 3 or not. Um, got a little yellowing on it. I figure if he had it with this, that it was probably upgraded, right? So the person on the email thing said, I haven't done it yet, so I don't know, said, I don't know what this computer is. Don't ask me any questions. It was sitting on the desk, plugged in the way you see in the pictures at an estate sale. Guy passed away. Yeah. Um, so what else is cool if you flip it over? Yeah. His name? His Neil. name's on there. <laughs> and his phone number's on there. Neil B. Graham. Oh, Neil B. Graham. I will make sure your computer lives on for as long as I can. Um, it had a few like nasty rubber feet on the bottom I ripped off because they that. weren't they weren't all there. I'm going to replace those. Uh, it also came with some games. Here I am searching through carts. There's one. Yeah, you said you were kind of lacking some carts to to test it out with. I should take a quick step back because I did test. I did buy this cart, Starblaze. Yeah. Which is a 16K cart for my Coco 2. And before I started swapping out chips, swapping out chips, I did plug that in and try it, and it worked fine. Oh, good. So the system was it's fine. It's just yeah. it's the ROM chip now. Uh, this is a famous one. Dungeons of Daggerath with the manual, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. Um, <clears throat> when you look up like Toco, Coco games, it's like one of the top five that usually pop up, I guess. That's really neat. It's cool that it came with a manual. And yep. the last one here I have is a Coco 3 game, RoboCop, which is the same as the Commodore one. It's more or less. Yeah. The Coco 3 is somewhere in between, like, the Commodore 64 and Amiga. I mean, it, it, the, it's a lot closer to the Commodore 64, but, yeah, it it, it's, it is 16K, I believe, right? Or, well... The, the Color Computer 3? Yeah. It's 64K base. I mean, this one's 128K. And then you're saying this has 512K, right? I'm sorry, yeah. You mean yeah. the processor? Correct. I'm talking it's about, like... It's a 68,000, like, right? I don't know. I thought it was that's more your, like that's the That's your, your realm. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. There isn't, like, an oper- operating system you can load that looks Amiga-ish. Yes. Uh, I haven't d- been able to do that yet. In fact, I'm, I just learned the cart, like, two nights ago. Yeah, there's a thing called DriveWire you can get for this that I think Josh Malone had posted... A, uh, the thing where he bought the cable for it. Yeah. It's a cable that goes from that to your PC and lets you connect online. So you can literally like connect and download games to the Coco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can use your PC like a disk drive. 
Um, yeah. It's it's pretty neat thing. I Coco two, you can get it to work, but it's really hard. And I just haven't. I just bought the SD solution. Um, but there's a lot of cool things you can do with the Coco three. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I started playing a bunch of games on it. Uh, for whatever reason, Robocop does not run well on it. It goes black and white, and the color's funky. Hmm. But every other game works fine. I even loaded it from the SD card. does the same thing. So I'm... I still think there might be a capacitor issue or something I need to adjust. Oh, okay. Uh, it came with two more of the Radio Shack Tandy controllers. Floppy controllers. <laughs> which are the weirdest thing. So that it is the most uncomfortable thing in your hand. It is. The button's on the very center of the top. Yeah. So, like, impossible. You kind of use, like, what finger do I use? Uh, and then the joystick itself, like you said, it doesn't... It doesn't if, center. If you never touch this, you don't appreciate it. Right. But it doesn't spring back to the center. That's so if you right. turn it left and let go, it literally stays it to the stays left. stays over to the left. Now, that being said, I have to point out, I, like, I was like, all right, how much different is the color computer going to be than a Commodore or any of these other computers I've used? Because a lot of games are ports, and they look similar. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, f- from the games that I've tried, a lot of games are made around this controller um, in a positional way. So, for example, Clowns and Balloons, you've heard of that game? Yeah. If you put it all the way to the left, the Clowns and Balloons go all the way to the left and stay there. If you move it over slightly to the right, they just move to that position on the screen and stay there. So it's almost like a, a paddle in yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the games are based... You know what works really well with this that does not work well with a self-centering controller? What's that? Games like Arkanoid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because you just put this where you want it. That's where your paddle goes. It actually worked really well. That's awesome. So I've noticed uh, kind of like the uh, Vectrix has a lot of games like Space Shooters where you're top-down spinning 360 and shooting because it's kind of made for that. Yeah. The Coco, I've noticed, has a lot of games where you're positioning something left and right specifically in that point. I've started to notice that. You know that's the little joypad I got for the Apple II? Yeah. Like, it's great for most games, but some games it just doesn't work right. Like, oh, it, yeah? And I, maybe you're onto something there. Maybe I need to keep one of those... Floppy the flops, floppy ass <laughs> joysticks. <laughs> they are built with that in mind. Yeah, so maybe I need to keep that one around. It also did come with a a cable, which doesn't do anything from what I have, but like, yeah. I think it's a cassette cable. Probably. Um, it's got four pins on it here. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong piece. Da, 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 da. Amazing radio. Actually, it's a serial I/O cable. So like a modem. Okay. Something like that, yeah. Well, I got that cable now. Printer or modem. Which, again, I'm probably not going to use. Maybe I'll sell or give that to somebody who could use it. Yeah. Right on, man. Coco yeah. 3, that's a big deal. I got a Coco 3. Now, that being said, I still want to get the Coco 2 working. Sure. That's not off the plate. I, that's That will work. That'll be a fun Dang little it, challenge, Eric. yeah. Sure. And I think I've done it. I think, honestly, what I think I've done is spun myself in circles. Because if you think about it, if I looked at it and said, oh, I'll just put these chips here. And put this jumper here, and just trust that it works, just not with tape. Mm-hmm. That would have fixed my first problem. Yeah. And if I trusted that jumper and all the weird crap I saw, and just flip <clears> those <throat> jumpers and put the right ROM in, that's it. Right. I just didn't trust anything I was doing. <laughs> oh, Cody. So, anyways, that was my cocoa fueled nightmare slash. And actually, when I got the cocoa three and I first turned it on, it didn't work. Really. I, act, I did have to open it up, and I started looking at stuff, and I was about to recap it, try to plug it in again. It still didn't work. I'm like, there's got to be something I'm missing. I pulled out the 512K RAM board, yeah. and pushed it back in, turned it on, it worked. Yeah, so probably I just, need just to be got re- jostled during shipping or re-seated, something. Reseated, yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. It's weird, because it, it is an original, five, like a factory 512 
yeah. expansion because it's just this huge board with chips on both sides. And uh, it's got like an 8-pin connector, a 4-pin connector, and a 6-pin connector all at different angles. You just kind of have to fit it just right and push down. Wow. Kind of weird. Hey, maybe maybe RoboCop would be fixed if you took that out. Because sometimes on machines, like if you leave the memory expansions be. in, yeah, they don't work right with certain games. Hmm. Although I did see, and I didn't do it, but I did see online, because uh, I went back to the original yeah. Color 3 manual and read through it. Yeah, It, it talks about the 512 expansion. To do it, you have to cut a capacitor out. Oh, So that capacitor, I, I, I saw two legs sitting there. Oh, okay. So someone literally cut it out. So you can't really remove it. Once it's in, it's Mm-mm. in. Hmm. All right. What do you got next? What do I have next? I have we kind of talked about it already, yeah, but there it so is. Yeah, so this is going to be pretty short. I've been playing Nightmare in the Dark. Oh, what's that? <laughs> it's a Neo Geo game, Halloween theme. I'll, but... drink, I'll drink to that, Eric. Yep. Hell, please, I'm done. I, I swallowed it down. Look, look at this. This is courage. This is courage. I drank all that uh, pumpkin oh, ale. That is something. Finish that so we can uh, move on to the next Eric, one. Eric, I have four more of these in my fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, yeah. what am I going to do with these? You're going to have to. The way I treat these beers, type of beers at home, is I drink them, but they're always the fourth or fifth beers I drink. Oh, my God. This is my third beer. I don't think this is. <laughs> That's going to be a sixth or seventh. Mm. Oh, jeez. Oh, but anyway, I don't. I'm not, I don't need hurts. to linger on this one. Nightmare in the Dark. Play it if you have. If you can download the ROM, play it on Neo Geo. Um, it's excellent. It's like Snow Bros or Bubble Bobble kind of platforming game. Um, it's a lot like Snow Bros. You know, with Snow Bros, you make the snowball, you hit somebody you roll with it, it down the, yeah, and then you can like push it and it goes down the screen. It's almost exactly like Snow Bros, but it's fire instead of ice. Um, it, it's a fun game. It's Snow a Bros clone. Yeah. Exactly. Well, wonder which one came first. Maybe I'm Snow pretty sure Bros. Snow, this is 2000, so Snow Bros. Yeah, definitely came first. Right, yeah. I played Snow Bros. on Game Boy back in, I want to say, 91. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's probably right. Um, but no, I, I played this briefly once, but I really needed to just dig into it because I know I'd love it. It looks great. All right, so we mentioned, and we'll mention it again, Amigo West. Yes. At this point, by Am- the time this releases, Am- it, it happened. Amy West. Amy West. West. Yeah. The West Coast... Mm-hmm. Amiga Extravaganza Correct. that I just learned about, but apparently it's been happening since like 1992. I think. Yeah, it's been. I was surprised at how long it's been happening. It's been happening like since the Amiga was still a thing. Yes, that's amazing. Uh, so, anyways, I, I Eric mentioned that this group existed once, and I looked it up. And I'm like, hey, Eric, we, we we did the pinball thing once. We need to go on location and like get out in the community more and do some retro stuff. Let's go check out the uh, Sacramento Amiga group. Yep. And uh, we were a little concerned that it might just be, like, a couple dudes sitting around a table. Right. And uh, we got there, and it was, like, four dudes sitting around a table. Right. Um, but once we got in there, uh, <laughs> I, I told the guy we were showing up, you know, asked if we should bring anything or just show up, whatever. And his name was Jerry. Yeah. Uh, really nice dude. Uh, he saw me, and uh, we had a, I had my Pixel Guide in shirt on. Yeah. And uh, you had some nerd shirt. I don't know. What, what are you we were wearing? Oh, no, I did Micropros. You right? had Micropros. I was wearing a, a C, I adore my C64 shirt. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he saw me and said, he said, oh, you must be Cody. Yeah, great, whatever. And they were actually in the middle. It was a, an awkward meeting for us to start with because they were planning Ami West 2019. Yeah, this was kind of their meeting to plan the Ami West. Was so... We didn't really have a good first club meeting, but it was fine. They, it got there. It yeah, got yeah, there. yeah. Uh, but it was cool because then they're like, "Hey guys, so uh, Cody, Eric, I don't, you know, 
who are you guys? Like, what do you do? Whatever. And I'm like, we have a podcast called Pixel Guide In. And one guy kind of, his eyes lit up and goes, I'm Mr. Toast. And we're both like, oh, cool. It's like a Twitter, one of the guys that we talked to on Twitter. And he, yeah. he listens to the show. Yep. Um, I think he was honestly less uh, excited about seeing us than we were excited about seeing him. That's, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. But I'm like, dude, you're toast. That's awesome. Like, someone, yeah. you know. And I asked him if he recognized my voice at all. He's like, I think you do some like modulation or something, right? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> my voice isn't always this silky and smooth. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was really cool seeing him. And uh, we've done a lot more talking on Twitter since. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were doing a really good job of trying to uh, wrangle us into doing a bunch of stuff at the Amiga show. Um, but we're definitely going to go, I think, on that Saturday. Yeah. Um, it's about all the time I could squeeze in. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to go on that Saturday for a few hours. I'd really love to get to the point where we can think of these things far enough ahead of time where we can actually get a table and set some stuff up. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, there's some things I'd really like to show off. It's an Amiga show, and I'll get to this in a second, but I want to show Cannon Fodder on the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, a couple other things. Because he said more and more 8-bit steps kind of showing up there. Uh, they were really interested. I kind of showed him a picture of my, my microcomputer wall, and uh, one of the guys was really interested in the uh, MSX2. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people have seen that yet, so that'd be cool to show there, just to, you know, auxiliary stuff. I'll let the Miga be the, the star of the show, but... Yeah. Um, the whole hobby's so cool. So anyways, uh, we're starting to get involved there a little bit. I don't know if we're going to go to every meeting or anything like that, but definitely going to go to Miga West and try to uh, talk to those guys. Uh, later on, uh, Jerry, who apparently is the vice president... Uh, showed us a couple games. You set up a computer. I was a little disappointed. No actual Amigas were there. No. They seem to emulate, <laughs> which I was surprised. But it's, I mean, it's hard to lug all that stuff. At yeah. There, you know what I mean? Once you have your Amiga or something set up at home, you don't want to move it around a lot. So, yep. I, I understand. Um, <clears throat> so they, it was cool because he did show off um, Tra- uh, Trap Runner, the Amiga game. Yep. And then a game that either came before or after that, there's the same guy. Uh, do you remember the name of it right now? It's like that uh, with the knight. Like the knight. Yeah, it's like the... a Camelot kind of thing, and the punch took a long time to punch. But we got to play a few games, and they put Eric and I on the spot since we have a gaming podcast and had us play them. I disappointed everybody. You did. But you that, did. But that it game. It was that punch. That game was horrible, though. I mean, the way that he punched. The it graphics were great. Pretty. It was pretty. It was a pretty. very pretty game, but the way he punched was not. Was, ugh. And I, then and then there was a, a, a C64 game, which is escaping me right now, that uh, he showed, which was. He doesn't. I guess they don't do a lot of 8 bit stuff, but he no. showed one that day. Yeah. Um, and I. Uh, it was a game that was recently released for the. Um, the 16k competition uh where you traverse back and forth between time which is funny because i just said no to that earlier um i'll have to, i'll think of it before we get to, i'm going to talk about it later here yeah but, i don't um, remember the name of they it had me play that and I actually i actually did pretty well on that one i think i held yeah. my i think i raised pixel guide and back up a little bit as a as a reputable gaming source yeah um but no, I, I that game was the punch was bad, so I don't I don't blame you at all for that. It was literally like you hit the button and wait a second and a half before he punches. I like did. it's this huge wind up. The animation was gorgeous, but gameplay first, guys. Gameplay first. I couldn't get my mind synchronized with that game at all, so it's all good. Uh, so before we left, we ended up just kind of chatting. Like there was it was kind of like lost its form. We just started talking to everybody. Met a whole bunch of people that day, which was really cool. Yeah, and. Uh, they uh, offered to sell me an Amiga monitor, 
which I didn't have. I've been using my screen here. Yeah, me too. I, I'm still using my PBM at home. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good re- that's a good solution. But yeah, uh, I got a uh, 1080. Four. Uh, no, mine's a 1080. Yours is just 1080. Mine's a 1080. Oh, okay. Uh, what's cool about that? It doesn't say Commodore 1084 on it. It says Amiga. That's all it says on it. But it says Amiga, which is cool. Um, one speaker in there. Uh, they also make a 1084S, which apparently adds stereo. I learned all this there. Yeah. And the the main difference, from what I could tell, between the 1080 and the 1084 is that the connector on the back is um, female. So if you take a standard cable, you have to get a female-to-female adapter to make it work, which you helped me with. Okay. Um, anyways, I brought this monitor home, and it, it the cool thing about the, the 1080s, 1084s, they do PAL and NTSC. Yeah. Which is really cool because I have something coming, hopefully I'll be able to talk about next month, that's going to take advantage of that. Um, but you let me borrow, actually I have one laying up here, a female-to-female adapter, and um, here's what's left of it. <laughs> Did you take it apart? It fell apart. I tried to pull, pull it out of the back of my screen to uh, to set up our studio today, and it just all the pins fell out and everything just fell to the ground. Holy crap. Um, so I went ahead and ordered some more off of Amazon because it's like six bucks or five. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you years back. Just okay. just make me feel better. Um, but I'll, I'll and I think I'm just going to super glue it together so it doesn't fall apart. Yeah. Um, anyways, that was really cool. I got that monitor. And uh, that brings me to my next topic, which is I played a bunch of Amiga games because I got my new Amiga monitor. My A500 is working well. Uh, you got me that degrader from who? Who was the one that helped you out with that again? Freaking Frankie. Freaking Frankie is the one that helped you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again, Frank and Frankie. Uh, love that I have my degrader and I can play that, um, play stuff on that. Because almost all the Amiga stuff is PAL. It's European. That's right. Yep. Um, and luckily I have... And I always forget because I don't have a 500, so I have a 1200. I can just switch between PAL and NTSC whenever I want. Yeah, it's super nice. But, I, you know, the 500, I was kind of new to me, but I was like, I used this thing called the degrader, so I figured it would be handy and for it, you. Yeah. It worked great. The only thing is I do have to load that up every time. Oh, yeah. But that's, that's, not a, that's not too bad. It makes it happen, but I have a solution coming. Again, we'll get to that okay. hopefully next month. Yeah. Um, so I played a few games. I just want to touch on them real quick. Uh, first of all, Apidia is a shooter I've been wanting to play for a long time. It's pretty cool. It's the one with the bee. You're a bee. Yeah. And you shoot. Uh, for some reason, you're a bee, and when you shoot other insects, they explode into flames. Oh, nice. So that's super. Uh, I'm going to try that one. The Amiga is, to me, like the epitome of the early 90s where everything was extreme. Yeah. So it was like, mm, you're a bug, and <laughs> and like you get power ups and like machine guns, even though you're literally just a bee flying through a garden. Like it's the most peaceful thing, but you're blowing stuff up. Um, it's hard. It is a hard game. It took me seven or eight runs through the first level before I could beat the first level. Wow. Um, you, and it did take memorization, but unlike Tasmania from last episode, I enjoyed every second of it. It's actually a really fun game. And given that it's not an AGA upgraded graphics game, it looks really good. Um, I also tried Project X, mm-hmm, yeah. which you've played. I played recently. Yeah. I did not that enjoy that as much, to be honest. Right. I don't think it's a super great game, but it's not bad. It's another side-scrolling shooter. It's kind of generic, and there's no music when you're playing. Nope, there isn't. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but I played that, and it was fun. I'll go back to it. But, but what I really got into is I was like, I want to try one of these dungeon maze games. Yeah, yeah. So I tried to lo- load up Eye of the Beholder, mm-hmm. uh, which is like seven discs. Yeah. And I was like, ugh, seven discs. And when, by the time I loaded it, I realized I had the German version. Ugh. And I couldn't understand it. So like, I'm like, you know what? I'm looking at Dungeon Master, 
Yeah. It's one a one game load. That's right. And I loaded that up. How come how come enjoying this is a side note, how come enjoying retro has so much troubleshooting, Eric? <laughs> There's so much troubleshooting. Yeah. So I load up this game and I start playing and it like freezes on me. I'm like, what the heck? So I look up online after doing it freezing a couple times, I'm trying to build my character. I build my character, I just start in a dungeon freeze. Go online, it's like, oh, Dungeon Master's got some like crazy copy protection. That to this day, a lot of people can't like figure out how to get through. Okay. They're like, but download this version. So I downloaded another version. It didn't freeze on me. I got further through the game. I started actually like attack. I actually killed a mummy. Um, started like adding food to different people's inventories. Got my wizard picked out and my cleric and everything. I, I was having fun with it. And I used a, I found a key and I used it to unlock a gate. But the gate didn't open. So I walked around. What am I missing? I walked around for like 20 minutes. Went online. Watched someone do it. They just put the key in the same gate and it opened. Like, what the heck? I looked up online again. They're like, yeah, there's some nefarious bugs. It's not just right at the beginning. The copy protection happens, like, throughout the entire game. Sometimes gates don't open when you put keys in them. I'm like, gosh darn it, that should happen to me again. Yeah. So I had to download another version, which was certified. Like, someone was like, all right, I've played this for two hours straight and haven't run into anything. I think we finally cracked it. So I finally got that version. But at that point, I was tired and I went to bed. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I the tried, game was cool. Like it's what I want to play. I tried to play this game on the Atari ST. Oh yeah, and I ran into the same problem. Really, it, Atari ST is a little different. You know how the Amiga will just lock up or give you like a Guru meditation. I don't know if you've seen that error. No, it's like an error that pops up that's red and black and it says Guru meditation and it gives you a code. Is that where the guy's name came from? Yep. Oh, okay. So on the Respect. Atari on the Atari ST it gives you two little pictures of bombs like there's little bombs that's like the mac it was yeah just... so like you'll get these bombs and that's i've tried to play dungeon master on the Atari ST and i was getting into it like you were yeah and i you'd get these bombs and it would just lock up and that happened to me and i just i just gave up well i on the amiga i found i have a copy now that works okay cuz so if I, you want it cause I know, amiga, it was fun amiga, like, amiga love the guy on twitter he posted this whole thing where he played he played that game all the way through, like, and he, oh, yeah? he loved it, yeah. And I, I always wondered what version he used it. He might have used the original version. You know who didn't love it? Who? John from the Amigos. He didn't like it, He huh? says to this day it's his least favorite game he's played. But yeah. different strokes. Yeah. I, I really wanted to play a game like that, because yeah. I played a game on my Mac when I was a kid called Scarab of Raw. Yeah, which yeah. Which is very similar. I've played that before, yeah. And I, But this is more like managing a party and items and stuff. It's a little more involved, and I'm like, I just want to dig into that. Right. So... So, uh, shifting gears a little bit to modern gaming, um, I have been playing Slay the Spire on mm-hmm. Switch, which I know you want to get. Uh, I think you're waiting for the physical version. I couldn't wait. See, I, I couldn't wait for that game, but just like I sniped your Jaguar, you snapped my, That's right. sniped my Slay the Spire. So I, we're even as far as I'm concerned. I bought the digital version, and this if I looked at my whole month, um, the past month, this probably is the game I've sunk the most hours into. Yeah, okay. It it is awesome, and it is basically a you 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 kind of um, ascend the spire like it's pathways, multiple pathways that lead up to a boss, and you go d- up different nodes, and every node does something different. Some you meet a monster, and he just gives you a choice, and you get like a treasure. Some are a like merchant, and you can buy equipment. Some are um, random things that you get. And then some are, and then most of them are battles. And when you battle, it's a card game. Yeah. And so, 
it basically you get when you start the game you get every game you start you get this this very basic assortment of cards and then as you go through via the merchants or winning battles you earn new cards and the whole element of the game is trying to build these synergies between cards so like some cards are like allow you to discard cards Meanwhile, these other cards say if you discard a card, add one more energy to your pool or whatever. So you're trying to get these like synergies. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've probably sunk 15, 20 hours in this game already, but I'm still like trying to figure out really good strategies yeah. to get the maximum damage to beat yeah, the boss at the end. Eat that stuff up. Because the only way, the only, I've, I've only gotten as far as the second boss. It's called the camp. And I can't beat that second boss because he has like 300, almost 400 hit points. And like, I can't generate enough damage to beat him. There's something I'm missing with combos and stuff. Mm. But the game is, I mean, it's frustrating in that element, but it's also like makes me want to keep playing to figure this out. It's very much like Card Fighter Clash on the Neo yep. Geo Pocket for me. Exactly. Yeah. So this game uh, is is all that. I mean, yep. and it, the nice thing about the game though is that you do unlock cards every time you play. But every time you restart the game, you start with the same basic cards. So you have to start again and build up your deck the way you want it to be in every new game. And you die a lot in this game. So Yeah. Yeah, I want to see if that thing's come out cuz I thought it was supposed to come out physical here pretty quick. Slay the Spire? Yeah. On a on the Switch specifically because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be playing that <clears throat> on the Switch on the uh, on the go if you will yeah anyways um do you want to start pulling out our next beer oh I think sure it's time for that uh, I've been playing a game that we started you and I both you started that last month and you're still loving it what which game Slay the Spire oh yeah yeah and yep. I started Mario vs Rabbids yeah yeah and I'm still loving it I'm yeah. j- I'm on the I'm at the last world now I'm just about done with it. And uh, it, it's. I'm not going to say this is. If I were going to rate, I'll go ahead and do my review okay. of uh, of uh, Mario versus Rabbids. Uh, where's that? Where's the button, Eric? It's time for a review. So Mario versus Rabbids. Uh, I think they call it like Kingdom Battle or something like that right. on the Switch. I will give it a. I'm going to go with a boring scale. 7.8 out of 10. Okay. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it is not mind-blowing. It is solid Nintendo. Everyone's going to... Well, I don't think everyone's going to enjoy this because you have to like tactical turn-based strategy games. Right. Um, but it is done in a way where it's it's not difficult. Every once in a while I'll get stuck on one and I'll kind of have to think about it and maybe change which characters I'm putting into battle. Right. But it never gets terribly difficult. Uh, it's kind of a... Uh, 20 to th- honestly it's probably going to be about 20 to 30 hours to beat it and uh I'll just go on there play a few battles pause it walk away come back a day or two later play a couple battles yep it's just kind of a time waster but um it's kind of the way I play a fire emblem but it's uh yeah it's been a long t- it's been it's been months since I've played that yeah. game cuz I know you it's a recent game for you but it's been off on mine I I'd, I'd rate it about the same as you did yeah I mean for me I love it yeah um, I, even though I'm only giving it a 7.8, doesn't mean I don't love it. Right. I just don't think it's for everybody. Yeah. And I don't think it's particularly innovative or anything. It's just Nintendo doing a turn-based strategy game really well. Like an XCOM turn-based kind of strategy, yep. Yeah. I mean, I think I prefer XCOM, but this is definitely more 
XCOM, I, I, I wouldn't just go start that right now. Right. Like, I have to be in the mood for XCOM. Problem with XCOM is they do... I mean, the problem and the good thing about XCOM is they do add that, like, base-building component into it, so there's more meat and potatoes on, on the game. But Mario and Rabbids is more like you jump in and you can just do battles. It's junk food. Yeah, you don't need to yeah. mess around with base building or all yep. that kind of stuff. And it kind of handholds you through it. And Yep. Yeah. And there's even a button on there, like, unlike XCOM, which is if you don't, you know, spam save, you have, like, permanent death, your guys die and they're dead. Yep. And Mario is like, hey, do you want to, like, get rid of all the upgrades you did in your upgrade tree and just kind of redistribute them? Go for it. Yeah. So you can always just change it on the fly. and Yeah. It's just it's a uh, but it's fun. It's very enjoyable, and you still feel when you when you finish a level, you still feel um, satisfaction. Yeah, so. I, I kind of hope they make more of them. I I don't I didn't hear a lot of buzz about it after it came out, so I'm hoping that it. Did I don't think it well. did terribly well because that is all the Nintendo first party games. Yeah, were like fifty nine ninety nine when they go on sale, they drop to like forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, this one's fifty nine ninety nine when it goes on sale, it drops to like twenty bucks. Yeah, so I have a feeling that they really have to discount this to try to move stock. Yeah. That's just my gut feeling. Yeah. Because otherwise, they, I mean, that's the only first party Nintendo game that's been dropping like that. Yeah. I got it for 20 bucks. I think I paid full price. <laughs> I think it's worth full price, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I bought it early. Yeah. Like, early on when there wasn't a lot of Switch games available, that's yeah. when I bought it. When, like, when it first came out. So I wouldn't be mad at that. I, I've, no, gotten, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten 60 my money. bucks worth of fun out of it. So. Yep. All, All right. right. Beer number two for the day here. You announce it. Uh, not particularly exciting, but a solid uh, Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. Yep. And so, like I said, I'm big into fall beers. My wife is too. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of my favorite Oktoberfest beers, though. The Martzens. Uh, oh, Martzen in, in particular, not Sam Adams. Well, this this is a Martzen. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But um, but it's one of my favorites. It's a solid. This one's a very good Martzen. I mean, I I know a Sam Sam Adams isn't like a little microbrew. It's a big. You know, big fancy brewery, but this one's the caramelly flavors. I've had some Martins that are a little, as you put it in one episode, more to take. Yeah, and I enjoy those too. This is a very drinkable. Yes, Martin, which I appreciate. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. I, again, it's a time and a place. I appreciate it certain times. After that last beer, drinkable is very good. Yeah, yeah. This one's a one, one that's going to go down nice. All right. Well, you've already had this before. So you're very aware of it. What's your what's your rating on this oh, bad boy? But, like I said, I love this one. Um, I think it's probably Sam Adams. I, and I'm not. I'm, I'm serious about this. I think it's Sam Adams' best beer that they make. I actually so, think I agree with that. Even though there's only the fifth or sixth one I've had out of this box. Yeah. Just because most Sam Adams stuff has this weird, like nutty flavor. That's, yeah. It's still good. It's just different. I mean, the thing is, I'll go to a place like, let's say, Chili's to go to dinner, yeah. and they don't have a great beer selection, but oh. they'll have Sam Adams Boston Lager, and that's always a go-to beer. Like, it's a good beer. But, yeah, have you you're right. To, have you gone to Red Robin? Yeah, I All have the, been. Yeah. Because it's called Red Robin's, like, Gourmet Burgers and Brew House. Yeah, Brew House. But... It's all Sam Adams. Yeah. it's They've definitely got a sponsorship or whatever. Of all the bigger breweries, Sam Adams is one of my favorites. I mean, it, I can drink a lot of their beers, um, their summer ale, uh, things like that. But this is my favorite Sam Adams beer. So if I had to give it, like, let's say out of 40... Uh, out of 40 English Patriots? Yeah. Out of 40 English Patriots, I'd give it... <laughs> I'd give it a 30... 32 33 okay 
I'll, I'll put it right there too. That's right. What I was thinking. Yeah. I, Again, I, it's it's for Sam Adams. It's really good. Yes, but it's it's um it's one sided and it's yeah crisp and refreshing and good. It's just not overly exciting, but it's good. Yeah, it's a solid beer. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. Thank you, because you supplied these. Oh, I, no, I supplied this one. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not taking credit for that pumpkin. Thing. <laughs> Actually, my wife bought both of these. But... Oh well, thank her. Thanks to her. Yes, because yeah. this is a good one. This is solid. She did a great yeah, she job. Did, on she this did one. very good. Um, I'm gonna admit that I made a mistake. Oh, I, I don't believe it. I I, I fell for the hype. So I was on Twitter and I saw everyone talking about this untitled well, I think Dash 16. Our boy Dustin on the last episode. Yeah. Talked this thing up crazy. This game? Yeah. Man, why don't I why don't I remember that? I'm I think old. he sent it straight to us if I don't if I don't recall. Okay. He said, "I don't care how much it costs. This game is worth it. It's amazing. You have to do it." I saw the What do you say? I saw the um the trailer and said, "Yes, I have to get that and it's better than the trailer." So we're talking about Untitled Goose Game. That is the one. And I got it on Switch. Is it for it's for other platforms, right? Oh, I'm sure it's for yeah. PC it's or whatever. Steam and all that stuff. So let me let me say this about it. It is a great game. I love the art style in it. The art style is amazing. You've seen I'm sure you've seen video. I watched that trailer after Dustin sent that over. Okay. Yeah. Game so listen, if you love puzzle games, you're gonna love this game. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was about to be like, Eric, it's a puzzle game. Why would you buy this? It was a, It is a well-made, solid puzzle game. Yes. And that's really at its core what it is. It kind of disguises it itself in that you have free range. You can move around. You can do whatever. You, you're basically a goose and you can honk. And your job is to just get into mischief and be just kind of a... Pain in the ass. Kind of a pain in the ass, yep. <laughs> but And it's fun. When you start playing it, I, I've gotten to the fourth level now. And it's fun. It's a fun game to play. You get a checklist of stuff you need to check off your checklist as the goose. So you got to be like, steal this guy's keys or steal this guy's hat or, or get into this area somehow. And it's up to you to figure out the puzzle. So it's kind of a free-forming kind of kind of puzzle game. But ultimately, it's a puzzle game. And I should have done my research and figured that out. Like, it's a puzzle game. And I'm not into puzzle games. I don't yeah. like puzzle games. So, what I've played of this game, I've enjoyed so far, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, uh, I'm just not really digging it. So, I it, 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 I ran out of gas in, with the game pretty fast. Yeah. And when I say pretty fast, I've probably put five, four or five hours into this already. Yeah. But, like, I'm not chomping at the bit to go play it. You know what I mean? It, with that said, I mean, like I said, the art is great. The concept is great. Very innovative. So, knowing Dustin, he's... I could see him loving this game. Yeah. And I saw his enthusiasm for it. Um, I watched the trailer, and when I first saw it, I was laughing hysterically because it is the most ridiculous thing. You're just a goose, and you're literally just pissing people off. That's right. It's hilarious. It is hilarious, and it's fun. It is fun. Honestly, if if the trailer was trying to sell the game to me, after about 30 seconds, it should have stopped, and I would have been like, holy crap, that was hilarious. I need to try this game. Yeah. It went on for like three minutes. By the end of the three minutes, I was already like, the gag was kind of over for me. Yep. And uh, I could tell it was all puzzles. And I'm like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. Like, so, but some of the stuff in the game, like even the little things, like it says, like in the first level, one of the things you check off your list is rake in the lake. That's all it says on the checklist. Rake in the lake. So when you get in this one area, you have to go grab the rake and you have to drag it to the lake and drop it in before the 
the gardener f- sees you doing it and, he, and he'll look at you and he, a little bubble thought bubble appears above his head and he goes yeah. and he, he'll he'll yank the rake from you and yank it and pull it back and go put it back where it goes right so you have to find a way to d- distract like him. distract him then you pull the rake but watching the goose like drag that big rake it's hilarious <laughs> the, the visual gags are like hilarious. He, i mean he, he literally doesn't can't just pick up the rake and run he has to drag it and you're trying to wedge it through these little gateways and you you gotta like literally it's almost like realistic like you have to yeah. like and then once you get it to lake, it's you like check semi, it out your It's list. like physics based. Yeah. At that point, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna. It's not a bad game at all. And if you love puzzles, you're gonna love this game. And it's a yeah. great. It's a great put together game. It's not my cup of tea. And you and I share that kind of distaste for yeah direct puzzle games. Puzzles on puzzles. blocks is different. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. like action one puzzle way, that's different. One way to solve a solution puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's I have to admit I should have done more research and probably not purchased that game. I was when you bought it, I was surprised because I'm like, yeah, dude, that's like a straight puzzle game, and he's just going for it. All right, I fell for the hype. All right, um, I want to backtrack real quick. I forgot when I put my C64, or my, my uh, GameCube together. Yeah, um, I also started. It's funny because I burnt all these games for it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but what do I want to play? I only own three GameCube games. Yeah. And I pulled those out and started playing those, basically. The uh, one, my actual ones that didn't need the mod. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing. I have about five GameCube games, original ones, like Ikaruga, and, that's a good which game. is a fantastic game, especially on the GameCube. And I have, like, Mario Sunshine, which, eh, it's okay. That's, yeah, uh, polarizing. Yeah. Hit or miss. So I have two games that are considered top games. I have, you can see right there, uh, Star Wars Rogue Leader. Yeah. Which... It's a very cool game. Yeah. I've got Metroid Prime, which is highly rated. I have Metroid Prime as well, yep. And then I have a game that I bought because I will one day, and I am a big fan of Lotus, I will one day own a Lotus Elise. Okay. Uh, it's called Lotus Challenge, and I bought it strictly because it's a Lotus game, knowing I don't know how good this game is. Yeah. So I plugged it in there, and it's a racing, it's kind of like a Gran Turismo, it's like a racing simulator, car driving simulator, yeah. or so I thought. So at first it's like, here, just drive down here and break in time. Okay, now let's try to make some corners. Great. Now we're going to learn how to like drift a little. I'm like, drifting in a Lotus? Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's try it. And then the next level is like, here, now we're going to like jump over jump like it. fire barrels. And t- I'm like, hazards. what is going on with this game? I thought it was a simulator. It's called Dukes of Hazard style. And at that point, the controls became so unwieldy, like I couldn't com- continue. But yeah. what I really did like about it in the part of me wants to keep playing it aside from the goofiness that they got into is it does have everything from like the old lotus sevens um you know the john chapman like yeah. lighter is better all the all these old lotus, uh, lotus alons and the, um uh, i don't know how much you guys know about lotus but all these really cool old cars and you kind of work your way up to uh like the mid 2000s lotuses yeah so, um sprees and all that stuff so there's a guy um that lives in my circle that has a lotus spree oh yeah yep Keeps it in his garage, yellow. Comes out once in a while. Supposed to drive it. Yeah. So, um, I also started playing. I pro- played my first uh, Super Nintendo game on my Switch since okay. they released that. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to dig into an RPG. They only had one. It was Breath of Fire. Yeah. So I kind of started it. Um, I'm just so into some of these other games I'm playing right now that I can't get back to it. But I do want to try to get through some Breath of Fire and see if I like that as an RPG. Yeah. Um, but what I was really excited to talk about is I played a bunch of the more modern C64 stuff, which I hadn't got into in a while. Um, 
Got in my VIC-20 for a while, and then I pulled out my C64 to try to catch up on some stuff. Um, I'm going to go in order here. Uh, I'm going to go out of order here. Uh, Frantic Freddy 2 is a game that came out. Mm-hmm. And I believe all of these, actually, all these games here, I believe, were released for the 16K competition they came out with, which has some really good stuff, Eric. Yeah. Uh, I think the the they closed the date on it, and they were still doing the bidding. I don't think they figured out who won it yet. We'll have to look at that up and report it maybe next month. Yeah. Uh, but I tried Frantic Freddy 2, which is kind of a, um, almost like a Manic Miner kind of a game. I've played this one, yeah. Have you? A little bit. The yeah. soundtrack is really cool because it's like, it starts with Queen. Yeah. Um, uh, it has all these cool classic rock tunes in there that they kind of redo with Sid. The music's really cool. The gameplay was fun. It honestly was a little too, the way it was designed, I don't want to say it was too difficult, like it's too hard for me, but I think it was designed in a way where you can actually from the start of the level, the way things are placed, you can't complete it. It's pretty tough. I remember it being more like a, not pixel perfect, but pretty close. I the, mean, the issue it had is you can it does platforms you can go up and down ladders, but if you hit the ladder from the left, you can't go across to the right. That's right. You hit the ladder to the left, you have to climb up there. Climb up, and if you climb down there, you're going to go down to it's the left. Coming back you got to move me. over and climb down the right side of the ladder. It's been about two months since I played that, and I, now that you say that, that's exactly the thing that kind of bugged me. Is yeah. I, it, it was weird. It's almost like hitting a wall. Yep. Then you got to go up or down. And it didn't make any sense, but more importantly, it created issues where you can't survive. Right. And enemies could come down two ladders and you had nowhere to go. Yep. Like, it just, that part was tough. Get em DX was pretty cool. It is. Have you played this? I have. This is old. This is kind of an older game. I think the DX part, they think they, they freshened it up. New that that paint, might or... be it. That might be true. Yeah, yeah. So, one thing I loved about these old computers, Commodore specifically, but other ones as well, is they'll take games that I'm familiar with. And I'll play them and be like, this is kind of a boring version of Pac-Man or something like that. And then I realize if you hit the button, you shoot. I'm like, yeah. what? It's Pac-Man, but you can just shoot stuff? Like, yeah. Cool. If I remember right, that that one has different shaped worlds like so or, it's, or menus. It's like kind of like Not Pac-Man, menus, but, but there's different, en- different enemies. You can shoot them. You can yeah. get power-ups. And the mazes aren't singular. They could also have tracks, like three, instead of a column being... Um, you know, one line of dots. Yes. It could be three wide. That's right. So even though there's no spaces in between it, you can go up, down, left, right in those areas. Um, it's just very much more creative. Yep. And I actually got really sucked into this game playing it. It's a fun one. Uh, it can make it a little hard. It kind of, because of that, the way it's It's designed. almost like an open-ended Pac-Man where it's like yeah. an open world, like an open maze. Yeah. Like you're not forced into going down pathways. There's, you can literally, like if there's a guy, you could go around him in that same pathway. Yep. If you're lucky. Yeah. So it does kind of, honestly, it kind of takes just the design, that design we just talked about kind of takes away some of the polish, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So it feels a little more uh, Wild West, as you like put sloppy. it. sloppy, yeah. But much more fun. Yeah, yeah. Than Pac-Man. Yep. In my opinion. And then this game really did it for me. Um, have you played Let's Invade? I haven't even heard of it. Um, so it's called, I'm actually going to bring it up because it's so cool. First of all, it's got this thumping, um, actually, so it's Let's Invade 2. I haven't played the first one. Uh, here it is, long play for the C64. Oh, it's by this guy, Richard TND or whatever. He came out with that. Richard uh, Bayless. W- w- he does the music, right? Or I think oh, he no, did the game the and the music. Because okay. um, he's the guy who came out with that one. What's that one game we Trans- really like? Trans- yeah. Which is one of my, <laughs> it's like my <laughs> second favorite. Yep. Music's yeah. very similar. Yeah. But I'm going to let you watch this a little bit here. This is, it's just Space Invaders more or less. Yeah. But it's so entertaining. And the concept <clears> is... Uh, it's bigger, chunkier Space Invaders that's more controllable. Yeah. You're going to get through, like, 
multiple stages, like regular Space Invaders, I can get through like two or three. Okay. Um, but the fun of it is crazy music, and then he's got these trippy effects going over the top of everything. Um, so you're trying to like focus with like right, like right now level one here. It's got this crazy flashing brick thing on top of everything. Yeah. And it's these thick chunky Space Invaders. Um, and there's two modes. You can do pixel mode, or you can do I forget the other graphics mode. So now it's a whole different shape and color and arrows are now pointing all over the place and going all over. He's on level two. Um, I'm trying to fast forward here. Now there's this crazy grid. Yeah. And when this is on a CRT, it's even more distracting. Yeah. So it's kind of like this psychological, uh, not psychedelic is the word I'm looking for. It's very seizure inducing. It, it is. Like if you honestly do have, <laughs> uh, there's not many people that do, but if you honestly are affected by like lights and stuff, you would not want it. There's the big ship at the top. Yeah. But dude, I got sucked into this game. For me, I haven't played all the games, but so far, this is the winner of the 16K compo. It looks good. I it don't chunky like... Chunky sprites. And I'll be honest, I don't care for Space Invaders. I don't. It's a boring game. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah, this looks fun. Um, there's something... And you go through a lot of different levels, and uh, again, all these patterns and things that like are wigging out in front of you. This one's squares. Um, let's see if it shows any of the graphic mode. Instead of the pixelated, no, it's all pixelated. I actually prefer it on pixelated, um, but there's a graphics mode as well. Anyways, very cool game. Looks fun. I haven't heard of this one, but I, I'm going to download it. This looks great. I would recommend it. It's my Commodore 64 game of 2019 so far. Perfect. So, we talked about this last episode. In the news! I got a Genesis Mini to add to my mini collection. I'm excited to look at this. So I wanted to hand this to you to take a look at. Notice the little doors that open. It actually opens. The little switches work. Uh, the little volume thing doesn't do anything, but it moves up and down. Well, on and off actually is on and off. Yep. That reset is, is reset. It is reset, yep. And you're right. The volume switch moves. It doesn't do anything, but it does move. Um, very solidly built. Um I'll quickly go through this. The games that are on there, we announced the games that were in episode 19. We we went through the list of games. Gosh, but this is a sexy little thing, though. Yeah, the menu... The I, want me- see, I want to see what it looks like next to all my other ones up here. Hmm. <laughs> the, the menu music is fantastic, so when you're at the title screen, and at the menu it shows you the graphics on the box art. Um, so it's very polished, very well done. Save states work fantastic. Here's the controller that comes with it. So that that comes with two of them. So you could immediately jump into two-player games. It feels like a Genesis controller. Which you don't like. I, but don't, I don't care for this well, controller, but it is accurate. It feels just as yeah. awkward in my hands as the real one. So there's this one, though. How about this? Although I do give it a lot of credit. The, the D-pad feels good. Yeah. It's the right amount of clicky without being overly clicky. Yep. So now this is made by RetroBits. It's an official licensed Sega controller for the Genesis Mini, but it'll work on a PC as well. But that's a six-button controller. Yep. You can get it in black. You can get it in that color, the translucent blue. Um, but I love that controller. That works fantastic for I me. I like this better. Yeah. Um, but I decided to get that because I love Street Fighter, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo is included in the games. So that's six button for Street Fighter, and it works great. Cool. Yeah, for me, I think what the issue is with controllers, they try to make these big controllers that conform to your hands. Yeah. I really want, like, give me the buttons and a layout that works, and then make the controller 
physically around it as small as possible. Yeah, that I'll put my hands small. I'll put my hands no. These wings still like make me reach. See, like, this is giant compared that is to giant. that. Yes. Um, so the original Genesis one is much larger than that six button one. That one fits Correct. perfectly in my hand. I really like that See, one. It's, this one's still forcing me to have my like. I don't know. Sorry, I'm being a grump, but. So, I definitely like this more, and it's got uh, a shoulder button here. That shoulder button just takes you to the menu. Useful. Which on this one, if you Ooh, play, I would hit that all the time. But if you're playing with this one, you have to hold the start button down for X number of seconds, and then it brings you to the same menu. That one, just you just hit the shoulder button. There are no shoulder buttons, though, so Correct. just keep your finger off of that. I, but that's where my hand naturally goes. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is the aftermarket one. That look, it looks cool. It's like this translucent blue. So to test out, like the I guess the feel of the games, I went with some like oldies but goodies, like Street Fighter Two, Streets of Rage Two, and I don't see detect any noticeable lag that. And it could be my TV. We talked about this in past episodes. Yeah, TVs are finicky. It could be my TV is just a pretty decent TV. My I have an LG LCD, and I put it in game mode, and it. I don't notice much lag, um, but those two games are as as I remember them. They're they work great. But one game that is included on here for the first time with an English translation is Monster World Four. Oh yeah, yeah, very cool. And I've been playing that using save states and getting my way through it, and I love that game. It's 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 an awesome platformer. That'd be a great import game. Exactly. Hmm. Yes, exactly. But I yeah. I'm playing the one here on the Genesis. Is that technically import? It was. It was. It always it has been. Be. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like the price is almost worth the price of admission just for that game. I mean, it's. I mean, it is a fantastic. Th- it looks like a great value from what I hear. It's yeah. right up there with the SNES Mini. Yeah, and I mean, just from looking at it, I feel like it's two a step above two game pads, so you can play all the multiplayer games. My son and I already played Streets of Rage two on this. Um. I, I'm loving it. So very cool. Oh. You've also been playing some N64. I have been playing Eternal Darkness based on Dustin's recommendation. Have you gotten anything fun specifically? So I, I'm I'll spoiler be, alerts. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I've only gotten about three, four hours. I think it's probably th- more closer to three hours into it. So I'm not that far into it. Okay. Let me tell you the. I'll t- I'm going to tell you a good thing and a bad thing about it. Okay. I actually haven't played it yet, but I know some stuff about it, which... Yeah. And I know this stuff, too, because I've already started experiencing it. So, oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, because there is a sanity bar, is what you're talking about. And when that sanity bar depletes, you... Weird things start happening. Cam- weird camera angles, noises, uh, monsters change into different things. I mean, it, it's a big slew of different sanity things yeah. that happen. No, I get that. But the two things I want to talk about... So I'll give you a good thing and a bad thing I've experienced so far. Now. Okay. The good thing is, in the one thing I hate about horror games, okay, is their tank controls. Yeah, I know. So one thing I can't stand with Resident Evil is like the tank controls. I cannot synchronize my brain with the game, so like I I end up just getting frustrated with the controls, the inaccuracy of the guns, yeah, or the weapons. I it, it turns me off to them, and I I stop playing them every single time. This, so this game has tank controls. Nope, this game oh, okay. doesn't have it. It has great controls. Good. So good. you okay. walk around like a 
like a, a normal game. You walk around, you swing weapons, you do this and that. The, the controls are exactly what I would want. So that's Perfect. a big, big thumbs up on that. The bad thing in this game, the cutscenes, there's a lot of them. Oh, okay. And they, you can't skip them. So let's say you get through, you go through a cutscene, and then you're playing, and then you you die, and you have to go back or whatever. You got to go through the cutscene again, oh, and there's yeah. no way to skip it. So, can you pause the cutscenes? I don't know. That's an issue I always have because I'll play a few minutes of the game while my kids are still awake and stuff. They'll come in and talk to me like during a cutscene. I'm like, shh, shh, no, no, no shh. Yeah, and I admit that is frustrating because I'll want to like sometimes even take a break during a cutscene, and that you, if it can't pause, then yep. you're, you're hosed. Yep. So those are two things I found so far. Okay. Overall, I'm digging the game. But I do want to spend more time with it, and I didn't get a lot of time this month to play it. So I'm going to go. I'm definitely going to keep. Yeah, dig in some more. I want to hear more about it next month. Yep. So I'm going to. I will keep playing it and keep posting. So the next thing I got on my list here is the Ultra Satan. <laughs> that it's name a, is so intense. It's a good Halloween. Oh, there you go. Uh, I for my Atari ST. So I have an STE. Another computer I want so bad. Yep, and it's as uh, if I don't have enough to try to figure out. My STE is mint condition, too. It's probably uh, one of the best retro machines I have right now. Um, but I was using the GoTech on it, so I'd literally load disk images like you do on your Amiga 500. Yeah. But they do sell a thing called the Ultra Satan for the Atari ST, which Why you plug that in. Name? <laughs> I, have, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, That's the most ridiculous thing. I don't know the history of that. I have no idea. <laughs> But it, what it is is basically an SD card solution, but you can mount hard drive images. So you can literally install your operating system on a SD card, kind of like you do on an Amiga 1200 with a CF card. And when Amiga um, OS boots up, or Amiga, when Atari TOS boots up, okay. it, it basically is a hard drive image. So you can put stuff on the desktop in folders and volumes and partitions and stuff like that. And in fact, with the ST, it's partitions. So, great. The Ultra Satan's been out a long time. It's like a box that connects to the back of your thing. But now they've miniaturized that to mm -hmm. the Mini, which just is a little device like the SD2 IEC. Okay. Just plugs into the back. And you plug it into power, and it just sticks up over the top, and you drop a little SD card in it. Nice. And it's very tiny, and it will support like all these hard drive partitions so now i have like you know two or three folders with just packed with games for the atari on it and it's nice. all on a hard drive i don't have to deal with disc images um and uh it works perfectly so i i spent a lot of time learned a lot about art atari st hard drive stuff because i never got into that i got into it with the amiga because i had to for my 1200 yeah so um, I got the Ultra Satan Mini. Yeah. And for those people who hate the Satan name, you can actually go into a little edit <laughs> file and change it so it doesn't, when it boots up, it doesn't say that. You can have it say anything you want. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people were offended by that or whatever. I don't really care. Yeah, it's not like I'm offended. It's just kind of weird. I don't know. I can't, yeah. can't put a finger on it. But um, it's almost like I'm trying to be a badass. Like, but <laughs> I'm not. It's not. I just want to play computer games. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Atari, the Atari ST is another one of those top things for me. I really want to get eventually. But yeah. Again, you just slow my roll. Uh, we've ta I've talked about this game, I swear, like every episode since we started. Yeah. Old Towers. Yeah. Uh, on the Genesis. the Genesis. I finally, I, I loaded it up again. I started playing some other Genesis games after playing Tasmania. 
and saying, yeah. what else do I have on here? Right, right, right. Um, and I pulled that game up again, and I, I started playing through it all over again, and I actually beat it. It's not, it's not terribly long. Okay. I mean, it's a puzzle game, so you kind of got to get there. Uh, I did have to look up a one or two solutions online, but I finally beat it. And then I pulled up my Spectrum and said, well, let's try it on there. I just want to see how it differs. They're all different levels. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was cool. That's I don't know if it's a different version or what, but... So there's a version on the ZX Spectrum and the Genesis? Yep. Really? I think it started on the Spectrum, and the Genesis came a couple years later. That's interesting. You would think it would make more of a leap to, to the Master System. Yeah, well... Because they're both in the 80s. The Genesis was more in the 90s. Oh, yeah, but the the one made for the Spectrum, I think, is a modern game as well. Oh, okay. It's not... These aren't, these I'm aren't sorry. classic okay. games. I got you. Okay. So... Um, and only a couple things left here, but this is one big one I want to point out. Mm-hmm. So when we did that that uh, Tasmania test mm-hmm. between the Genesis and the Super Nintendo, yes, I didn't have a way to play a Super Nintendo game. <clears throat> okay. So I, we've talked about this on the show, I've had that Super UFO SD solution for my Super Nintendo. Yeah. And it couldn't play, in my opinion, a decent number of games. I've noticed all kinds of issues playing certain games, like Jurassic Park. Weird textures that you could see through other. T- it didn't. Pl- it did not emulate them or whatever it does. It well. didn't do it well. Yeah. I understand how. Literally, it should just be taking the ROM data, feeding it to the Super Nintendo. But somehow, it didn't do it well. If it has mappers, it might affect it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it didn't do a great job. Okay. I also tried to do mouse games. It didn't have mouse support. I found because right. I couldn't do Mario Paint with a mouse. Right. It things weren't working. So I don't know what else to say about it. So you weren't happy. I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know what. I sold that Mac. I've got a little extra money. Let's upgrade, right? So the first thing I did is look up the cost of the Super UFO, which I bought for $50, forty nine ninety nine, And for whatever reason, they went out of production like three years ago, and now they're like 120 bucks. Well, so I'm like, sweet, sold. Yeah. I got rid of it. Okay. Now, one thing I will give it credit for, which I kind of regret in hindsight a little bit, is I don't know if I ever showed you, you take the top off, and it's got a cartridge port. So you can put any game you have on there and download the ROM from it. Oh, okay. Which would have been cool to do, like, for Sydney Hunter or Justice Beaver. Yeah. Like, I could, we, could, we could rip ROMs. You could rip ROMs with it, yeah. That's it also cool. had a lot of things in there, like cheat codes and turbo mode, things that the EverDrives don't do. Right. But I wanted an EverDrive because I want the real thing. I want things to work, and I want to be able to play 98.9% of games or whatever that the standard EverDrive does. Yeah. So I went on Stone Age Gamer, like I always do for EverDrives. Tried to buy one, they're all out of stock. So I went to Crits. Crits. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't sell them anymore. He only sells them through... Through third parties, yeah. Third parties now, including Amazon. Well, I'm yeah. not going to buy it from Amazon. So I went back to Stone Age Gamer, wrote them, like, when are these going to be back in stock? What's up? They're like, oh, this version's not sold anymore. We only have the Pro now. So Crits is only making that upgraded version, which we talked about last month. Yeah. Which has the exact same specs, just a faster processor. Okay. And costs $57 more, whatever it is. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay $210 for it. That's like way more than I was hoping for. Yeah. I sold my Super UFO hoping to get this thing for like $145. So I got frustrated. I'm like, shoot, what am I going to do now? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have sold the uh, Super UFO. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to. So I went online and started looking on eBay. And uh, three or four days passed. Everything was expensive. Even the standard Super UFOs are now going for $180 because they don't have something below $200 now. Right. So now those are going, everything's going up. Right. Like, gosh darn it. And finally I found a guy on there that put a super UFO, uh, a, a, uh, sorry, not a super UFO, a uh, EverDrive. 
Yeah. The standard one, not yeah, pro. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I, have a, I think I have a standard one, yeah. Correct. Well, you have a, um, before the super the SD2 SDIC is a super overdrive. Okay. I don't know which one I have. Anyways. Yeah, it's an old, I got this it's thing. old. It's I one made of the this first guy ones an, I got. Gotcha. I made this guy an offer. He accepted it. So I finally got my SD2 SNES. Yeah, yeah. Cartridge here. Beautiful. And, uh... Looks nice. Yeah, it's the, and it's from Stone Age Gamer. It's just an older one. So this guy is probably trying to get the new pro version. Yeah. And so he sold me the old one, which is fine, because even though it's faster, it doesn't do anything different. Right. Um, so I popped this in my Super Nintendo, and it didn't work. <laughs> and I'm like, shoot, I'm going to have to call this guy and like complain about it. So then I'm like, you know what? Let me just make sure it's not the Super Nintendo for some reason. So I grabbed a, a copy of Star Fox. Plugged it in there. Worked, but it had these weird graphical glitches, like this bar, dark bar going through the screen. Yeah. Didn't look good. No. So then I'm like, well, maybe it's just that copy of Star Fox. So I grabbed, I also have a Super Famicom version of Star Fox, the Japanese one. Yeah. Popped it in there, did the exact same thing. I'm like, shoot. So then I grabbed Gradius 3, plugged it in there, worked fine. So I'm like, what is going on here? Tried all kinds of stuff, couldn't figure it out. Now I was thinking about it. I'm like, maybe the the power supply is failing and the voltage is too low. Right. And the electronics worked fine in the Super UFO, but not with the this new SD2 SNES. Sounds, sounds familiar. I know. It does sound like it's a familiar Eric power supply problem. Yep. So I called you, and I'm like, I think there might be an issue with my power supply. Can I borrow yours? You said yes. But before I went to your house, I went ahead and got a voltmeter yeah. and tested my power supply. It's supposed to be 10 volts. It showed 15.2. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. What's amazing to me is that, first of all, the Super UFO was working on 15.2 volts, and my Super Nintendo was working on 15.2 volts. Right. And some games were. So that's a pretty big swing for the yeah. Super Nintendo to take. One thing that I, I kind of learned from doing testing power supplies over the years is that when you test the power supply, you, you you the best test isn't to necessarily test just the power supply. Under load. Yeah, you plug it into your Super Nintendo and then open you open the case to your Super Nintendo and touch like terminals inside. Like, correct, correct. So that when it's under load, you test it and it should be ten at that point. I guess because there could be something in the Super Nintendo stepping that down or whatever. But that's the best way. And then if it's too low in there, then you know you have a real problem. Well, my power supply is one of those two-in-ones you can get that can yeah, run yeah. a quote-unquote NES and a Super Nintendo. They have two different adapter, two different adapters. Anyways, I I said, you know what? I tried yours; it worked perfectly. Right. I'm still using it. I'm gonna go buy one at Legacy. Um, I might go fix my original, my two-in-one. Yeah. But I opened this thing up. First of all, it rattled when you shook it. Yeah. The transformer is loose in there, and then, I don't know if you saw the picture I put on Twitter, but the out the leads coming out of the transformer are bare wire, and they're literally. I mean, if you shake that thing, light walls rattling, they could touch. Yeah. Very easily. And if they was touched. Yeah, if you want my advice, don't. Oh, my goodness. I just toss it and get a new one. They're so, they're readily available. I know, but there's part of me that just likes to make things happen. Yeah. Anyways, the capacitor itself, uh, there's all kinds of weird oxidation and stuff touching the uh, terminals on the bottom. That's not good. I'm pretty sure I could insulate those wires, put a new cap in there, and everything would work great. But, yeah, it's, I'll just... I'm, I'm gonna get a new one. Just get a yeah. Also, <laughs> I had another Super Nintendo. I have a backup Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo, if you want to call it that. That's never worked through the video, only through RCA. Okay. Or only through uh, RF. Yeah. And I tried it with that old power supply. It really didn't work. It put all kinds of psychedelic colors up. 
Yeah. I tried the year's power supply. It works fine. So I think my thing's been getting just failing over the years. Yeah. Just, I've only had that thing for like four or five years. Yeah. It's, and it's It's dead. just not doing it's, a, it's not doing reliable voltage. Ugh. It's time to toss it before it burns your house down. All right. So there's one last thing that we are going to do, Eric. Okay. Um, you got the Flashmaster for your Neo Geo Pocket, which I is did. an SD solution for your Neo Geo Pocket. Yep. I was talking about this with RetroHQ because I wanted his version, mm-hmm. which is almost like a, a legit EverDrive for the Neo Geo Pocket where you can load tons of games and just select them and play them. Right. Whereas the Flashmaster, you flash it to a cart, you can flash a couple games, and you have a dip switch on there to select. Correct. Um, I was under the impression the Flashmaster one looked, like the cartridge itself looked better, mm-hmm. but this one had more um, usefulness, Yeah. I guess, more sure. functionality. Yeah. Flashmaster was a little cheaper and more available. This one you had to wait longer and pay more money for. Right. I went ahead and got the Retro HQ version. Yep. We've got them both here. I'm going to pause the thing. We'll, we'll take a quick look and give our review. Okay. What do you say? Sure. All right. It's time for a review! Alright, so Eric and I just paused for a second here and checked out each other's carts. <laughs> so we've got both of these in front of us here. Yeah. We have the Flashmaster from, uh, well, it's Neo Geo Pocket Flashmaster. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to look up the guy's name so I don't flambass anybody. Flashmaster! And then, um, it says flashmaster.com. And what really brought me to this cart, honestly, was I was looking up for a, an SD solution for my Wonderswan. For your Wonderswans, yeah. And he's the only one that makes one. Um, he's out of parts right now. I tried to get one from him. Those are about $95. But the Flashmaster goes for $49.95. Yep. Or you can spend $59.95. And the difference in that price was... Was it the cartridge? I believe so. It says select options. Um, there we go. Yeah. Was the shell. In mm-hmm. a shell or no shell. Right. Now I'm looking at the Flashmaster... Oh, no, not. There it is. The Flashmaster cart right here. And I actually pulled out a real Neo Geo Pocket game. Yeah. The difference in the shell seems to be, if I'm not mistaken, if you can look and see if you think I'm right, this is just me guessing, that he took another game and completely cannibalized it, because those are Neo Geo Pocket shells. Also, the Flashmaster... Um, That's what it looks like. Yeah, it looks like he just took a, another game and used the shell. I mean, it's exact. It says Made in Japan on the back and everything. Just had to cut a hole for the for the little switch. So there is a dip switch on there, which you showed me. Mm-hmm. And it does look like he used something hot to cut a hole in there because it looks like the edges are kind of... Um, kind of warped. Balled up or warped. Yeah, like, yeah, like, something, like hot, something hot cutting through plastic. Yeah. So that's kind of a bummer that he had to do that. But that being said... Um, the Neo Geo Pocket SD solution here from RetroHQ... Uh, I'm guessing it's 3D printed, but uh, I showed you this before. It almost looks to me like... It feels almost like thick, high-quality cardboard. I don't know why I say that, but like the texture to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely... It's very durable. Yeah, I mean, this isn't bad at all. I mean, it's... uh, 
It just doesn't have the feel of the real SNK carts. Yep. Um, but what is cool, it has a cool embossed Retro HQ logo in the back. Um, they're both cool, they're both fine, but honestly, the, the Flash Master feels like a real cart, because it is a real cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever that means to you, um, I'm, I'd be happy with either. They both have um, graphics on the label themselves that are decent. They're kind of amateurish, but yeah. um, they, they get the idea across. Yep. Better um, than nothing. Yeah. So the big difference here is two things. The Flashmaster is forty nine ninety nine, or realistically fifty nine ninety nine. Right. Because you're not going to buy it without the cart. Making a cart like this is going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. So let's call it 60 bucks, whereas the Retro HQ version is 70 euro. Or no, seventy pounds. So what, what's that? Uh, like Ninety. It came and it shipped. It ended up being like one hundred five, hundred and ten bucks, something yeah. like that. Okay. So almost double, not quite double. Yep. Uh, so what's the difference between the two, Eric? The Flashmaster, you have to f- actually connect it using a USB cable, and you keep your Neo Geo library on your computer, and you transfer over the USB cable using specialized software to transfer. So it's legitimately just a flash cart where you flash one yep. image or potentially two. You can do two images unless it's a large game, and then you can only fit one on there. Do you, so I'm lo- looking at my catalog of games that I have. The biggest games are four megabytes. Yep. So you can only have one four megabyte game, or you can have two two megabyte games or, 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 or smaller. smaller. Yeah. Okay. So the way the... Uh, Retro HQ one works is you have a SD card, micro SD. You slip it in the top. You can have everything you want on there. However, you still do have to flash it to memory. Right. So when you plug this into your Neo Geo, um, you get a little loading screen, kind of like an EverDrive. Yep. Um, but there's two tabs. One is actually I'm gonna have to pull it up here to see what exactly what it says. Um, and you're gonna hear the uh, Neo Geo pocket in the background. There it is. That sound makes me happy. Uh, so you have a tab, basically, where you have all your games already loaded, but when you first turn it on, it's empty, and that's called Flash. That's actually showing your Flash memory. And then you have the SD card. You hit the Option button to pop to the SD card, and it does take a little while to read it. And then you scroll through your SD, the games you have in your SD card, and you can hit a button to flash it over to the Flash memory portion of the card. Yep. Now, once it's, it does take a while. Um, it took like We just did a 2-megabyte game. It took like almost a full minute. Yeah, but it's almost it's akin to me plugging my cable in and and copying the game over to my flash ROM. Yes. So, like I like we had discussed, it's almost like you're just taking the cable out of the equation with yours, which is great because you means you can carry your whole library around and just flash the games as needed. Now, the flash memory on this thing uh, is 15 megabytes big. I'm not sure what the limitation is. I'm sure it's something to do with the Neo Geo Pocket itself. Probably. Um but you can have as many games as you want in there up to 15 megabytes. So the games are either half megabyte, one megabyte, two, or four. Um, so worst so, case, with the biggest games, you could have three three games at a time, four games. But with the smaller games, you can have 15 games. Yeah, right now I have uh, six full release games on here, and I have five megabytes free. So I can easily put another three or four. Yeah. Um, or worst case scenario, two uh, if I have a four megabyte game on here, um, but now that they're all loaded in flash memory, I just select one, hit uh, A. I just did it, and it is loaded there. So about five seconds. Now it restarts into that game. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, is that worth twice the price? Now, that that being said, your Flashmaster has two games in it, but to access the other game, there's a physical dip switch on the... I want to say the front, but it's really like inside the cart. You kind of have to reach in there with something small. Like a paperclip, yeah. Okay. Um, I've used mine a little bit. I think you've used yours more, a lot more than I've used mine so far. No, no issues with yours. Just nope. it, it works, like it, it says. It just works. The software is the software that you have to put on a Mac or PC is finicky. I mean, sometimes you Oof. plug it okay. in the USB cable in, and it doesn't recognize it, and you have to unplug it, plug it back in tinker around with it and then it gets seen it's never failed to work but it, it does take some it takes some doing to get it to work sometimes okay you can tell it's not like state-of-the-art software i mean it's probably was written 10 years ago you know so oh, yeah, yeah. on modern okay. operating systems it probably doesn't run that great yeah i think he has been making them for a little while yeah so um the other benefit is he ships his really fast and retro hq when they're making them when he's making them um I mean, they ship fast when he has the product. Yep. Um, but he's making all kinds of cool stuff over there so, as well, so it's taking him some time. Um, I'm very happy I got mine. Uh, I don't know how you want to review this thing, but is there a winner <laughs> to you, or do you just want to say to each their own? Or No, I mean, I, I think I can always make the excuse that I'm that it's fun to flash these and then devote your time to the individual games because I'm the guy that when I have an EverDrive I flick between games Mm -hmm. constantly but ultimately I mean I think yours is the better flash card for sure you mentioned at one point you had considered even though you got the flash master if the other one became available considered moving over that as well yep and would you do you think you would I think it's once it's readily available if I found a good deal on it I'd I'd definitely switch okay yeah I, I'm not in love with the flashmaster it's it's a good way to play the library yeah but yours seems to be a better way to play especially if you're on the go my main thing actually you did touch on something there which I do appreciate which is the fact that if you have that cart you basically have almost one game and it's almost a pain in the butt to get to the second one yeah so you're really gonna devote your time to that game if you're playing it. correct it's not the easiest thing if you're on the road like i go to my son's basketball game i can't easily switch between the even the games just the, just the two games on the cartridge yeah so i end up playing the game that's on there and i have to I but have it is to nice to it. have that second option because correct. If, you, if you don't have a plethora of games with you or period yeah you don't want to be stuck to one game because if you're playing an RPG or something that takes some time to get through. You want right. to be able to hop over to Sonic and play something. Correct. Qu- well, not you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't like Sonic. Um, nope. So I totally get that. Um, I think it's worth the extra money to get the Retro HQ one. Yep. But I think I'd be happy with either, honestly. Yeah. My main reservation about the Flashmaster and the re- the real reason I didn't stick with that is I don't want to have to worry about having software that works with it in the future. Yep. That's my main concern with it. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you want to give. I want to give. I'm gonna. I'll give a rating. I'm gonna give the Flashmaster a B minus, and I'm gonna give the Retro HQ version a B plus. The only thing keeping me away from giving this uh, an A or something better like that is, um, and it's not something I probably can be done, but it would be nice if the games loaded right away and you didn't have to flash into memory and you didn't have any limitations. And yeah, um, I kind of wonder if that's. Some kind of problem with the Neo Geo. Oh, I'm sure it is. But but when we the the GBA EverDrive, 
Yeah, that one just works. It just works. I mean, that. So that's an. Uh, unfortunately, that's all I can say is that is an A product. That being said, correct. Um, this is these are the only two solutions for this relatively obscure system. Correct. And they both kind of have similar limitations to a point. Yep. So I feel like it is a hardware thing, and I think that uh, both these guys have done an awesome job of making something that's really great for the community. Yep. And uh, I, I mean. If your price point sixty bucks, there's no problem with that Flashmaster. Nope. But if you can afford a little bit more, eh, a lot of bit more, medium bit more, I would definitely go for the Retro HQ if it's available. Yeah, that, I think that's the other negative. It it wasn't readily available. Right. I think I'd give that Retro HQ like a B plus. I'd probably give mine a C something. Okay. I'd probably go even lower. I mean, yeah, it has its it has its limitations. Um, but yeah, either one will get you there. It gets you, get you playing games in the library that are super expensive. The one, thing, the one thing I will say for the Retro HQ one as well, I don't know about the Flashmaster, it does come with this full-color, fold-out instruction manual. Yeah, mine came with nothing. Which was very useful. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's cool, everything, but honestly, it, it walks you through some things, explains some of the stuff and some of the limitations. So that also is worth an extra half a grade. Cool. Um, yeah, I would definitely look at the Retro HQ. He's also making... Uh, the Jag SD solution. Oh, and he's, he is, oh, he's the guy doing that. Yep. Oh, sweet. He's that. He's that guy, and I'm trying to get one of those from him, but he already ran out of the first batch right away. Um, and then he's also in the middle right now, and this is partly why he, it takes him a while to get to make these. He's yeah. working on new technology, right? Like the Jag, and now he's in the middle of working out a new revision for the Atari Lynx one. Gotcha. So cool. All right, that was our review. So I'd say both of them are good products. Depending on what you want. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Retro HQ gets the nod here. I yep. think it's really cool. Definitely. And actually, the way the cards are just constructed is really growing on me. I'm kind of starting to really like it. <laughs> yep. Cool. Uh, I think it is now time for... Actually, we're going to start with uh, the first $100. Cody's got something to say about that. Perfect. <laughs> The first $100! Hey guys, welcome to the first $100. Your boy Cody here. Uh, the first $100 is a segment I do uh, semi-regularly where I look at a system and say, hey, if this is the first time I was buying this system, what games would I want to buy with my first $100 for the system? Uh, this month I'm doing it on one of my one of my favorite systems to collect for, actually, which is the Vectrix. Um, it's a system that I think you need to own the physical versions of these for. You can't really just uh, emulate this. It doesn't work. You've got to have the actual uh, equipment. So that being said, what is the Vectrix? Well, uh, the Vectrix was a system that came out in 1982, a company called CGE, or General Computer Electronics, like the most uh, generic name ever. Uh, came out with this system and released it um, right before, I think in 1983, it was bought by Milton Bradley, and uh, Milton Bradley soon became Hasbro as well. Um, anyways, that at that point, 1983, there was the crash, so of course, uh, the Vectrix was not immune to the effects of the video game crash in 1983, and its life was also cut short, <coughs> unfortunately. Uh, the Vectrix is well known for its vector-based screen. Um, 
It's actually built into the system. It's a little black box, maybe 16 inches tall, um, 10 inches wide, about 10 inches deep. Cool little black box with a vector screen right in the middle. Now, a vector screen uh, is the type of screen you see on like an, an original Asteroids arcade machine or a Star Wars arcade machine where all of the lines are uh, just white. It's a black screen, obviously, just like any other screen when it's off. Um, but instead of drawing color graphics or even black and white graphics, which are called raster graphics, these are vectors. So the images are made by essentially a beam drawing white light in straight lines from point to point. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert by any means on this, but uh, the po- programming for the graphics more or less is a series of data points and telling the screen to draw lines between them. So, you know, uh, it doesn't do circles very well, for example. So you'll see, instead of a circle, you'll see an octagon or a decahedron or a dodecahedron. Um, Lots of triangles, um, sharp points, but it's super crisp, super clear. And it's really cool, especially in a dark room, to see one of these screens because it really pops. And you can't, emulating it, you can see the image, but it doesn't have the same effect. Um, The Vectrex also had a built-in controller. So at the very bottom, if you push on kind of the Vectrex logo down there, uh, it'll pop out, and you can either play it kind of half-connected to the Vectrex, it kind of rotates down, or else you can remove it and pull it towards you. Um, It has a telephone, like a spiral-based telephone cord attached to it, and you can pull it, I don't know, uh, four or five feet from the screen. If you're pulling really hard, you don't want to pull really hard. Um, The controller is really slick in my opinion now it's not the most ergonomic thing it's kind of a it's literally like a skinny brick in front of you um it's got the control stick and then it's got four buttons one two three and four just in a straight line so um some games that use all four buttons it can be kind of difficult to to access them all when you want but the actual stick itself is this metal stick that kind of spins uh when you spin the the stick itself it's free and it spins but it's super cool because it's full analog, which means you can push, um, you know, just kind of like future. Like, I think I don't think an analog stick came back until the Nintendo 64, where, you know, pressing a little ways versus pressing a long ways made a difference. Um, not a lot of games took advantage of that, but it's super smooth and super slick. And the uh, graphics on the system, because they are, again, vector-drawn, they don't snap into place. They actually move super smoothly across the screen creates this really cool effect where both the controller and the the graphics on the screen are very smooth and it just it feels it's like silk it's like butter um the system was released by bandai in japan that's kind of an interesting side note but uh there are a few extra things for the vectrix that people bought back in the day during this very short one and a half year lifespan i guess being sold uh there's a 3d imager which uh, almost it had these like color wheels, these crazy like color wheels that you could look through. Um, but even more popular was the light pen. There's a couple uh, animation or animation, animation, animation and action smashed together it was a one of the games that I think where you actually used the light pen. You essentially drew on the screen and it'd, it'd make a vector drawing on the screen as your pen drew across the screen. Um, I don't have one of those yet. I should get one. Those seem very cool. Um, so something to know when you get a Vectrix is you most likely will want to adjust a few things. Now, when I first got this, I don't. I think there's a lot of people that still don't know this. There is a, a knob on the back for brightness, 
And, you know, you can dim it to where it's all the way off and you can dim it to full brightness. And, of course, why would you not want it to be full bright? Um, well, there's only one good reason that I can think of, because brighter the better. It looks cooler. Um, of course, I'm sure brighter wears out the beam more and probably that that's probably has something to do with it. But if you leave it on full brightness, you're going to see a dot, one bright white dot right in the center of the screen. And I, when I first saw that, I thought my system was broken, but it's not. Um, you literally just turn the brightness down and that dot will go away. Um, so that's typically how I have mine adjusted. I just have it so where that dot just goes away. So it's as bright as it can be without showing the dot in the center. Uh, this one I only learned about more recently. Now, let me take a quick step back. A key part of collecting for the Vectrix, the reason I think physical games are so cool in the system, is most of the games you can play, if, if not all the games, you can play just by plugging a card in and playing the game on your, with your white uh, vector graphics on the screen. And it will play. However, they have these slots over the screen where you're supposed to put this plastic overlay. So every game, including the game that's included with the system, which is called Mindstorm, has an overlay, which essentially is a colored piece of plastic that adds, quote-unquote, colors to your game. Now, of course, really, you're just seeing the white light through the overlay, but it's really cool because it adds nice headers. It almost makes you feel like you're in a mini arcade because each game has its own overlay, and it has information like it'll say score and then provide a color area where underneath you'll have a score showing. Or, uh, you know, players left, and you'll have a certain number of tick marks for players left or whatever. Um, these give a lot of personality to the games, and I, to me they're must-haves, um, which means... I like to collect uh, Vectrix games, complete in-box, but if not complete in-box, at least um, overlay and game, preferably manual. And then the overlays have these white sleeves they came with. Most of the time you'll find those still with the overlays if you buy them online or in somebody's collection, but you're going to want to get those too. But you're going to want to align your screen with these overlays because if your Vectrix is putting the image in the wrong place... They're not going to line up with the overlays, and the overlays are more distracting than beneficial. So I learned um, you always want to take extreme care when doing this, because if you open the back of your Vectrix, you have a live CRT tube. Well, it's not a CRT. It's a, a vector-based tube there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that they have the same dangers, which is there's a lot of voltage back there, and if you touch the wrong spot and ground yourself, um, you get a lot of voltage, and people have you know gotten very hurt touching these monitors. That being said, take extreme care, um, do your own research, don't do what I'm telling you to do just because I'm telling you to do it. But if you open that thing up, there are some knobs in there. Um, they are far enough away from the tube that you should be absolutely fine, but just take extreme care. Um, a couple of the knobs you can just roll with your finger, and then there's a couple, um, uh, they're not knobs, but basically where you put it, you're going to put a Phillips screwdriver in there and turn it left and right to adjust it. Um, I can't remember what all five of them do, but the three that I was most concerned with um, control a couple things. First, the easy one is the size of the screen. You can actually bring the size of the virtual screen that your Vectrix is displaying on all the way down to like a third of the screen. And then you can also make it as big where it goes beyond the boundaries of your Vectrix. And um, you want to, of course, line it up so that it fits the, the overlays perfectly. Um and you're going to have to kind of go back and forth between a few of these to, to fine-tune it. Um, but the one that's also very important is the diagonal. Now, my games are always kind of down and to the left. And so I was trying to find a way to, you know, to say, where's the horizontal scroll and where's the vertical scroll so I can center it perfectly. 
Turns out there is none. There's one that does a vertical, or, I'm sorry, a, a diagonal adjustment, which goes basically from the bottom left to the top right, and you kind of go back and forth between there. So I put on one of the games I knew pretty well with an overlay, centered everything, adjusted the size, and then there's one more thing that can that I noticed uh, can go wrong, and there is it's weird to explain the pitch of the letters. Um, I'm not sure how this works. I guess there is line drawings for images and things on the screen, and then there's also lines used for like text on the screen. I think they're separate somehow in the programming. So there's a button for each of those, a, a, a scroll for each of those, and you can actually take all the, the words and basically pitch them so that they're all kind of in italics, or you can make them straight up and down. So I wanted to make sure they're straight up and down. And then there's also an adjustment that kind of tells the vector drawing um, kind of how to work. So I noticed when I was playing a few of my games, you know, like on Berserk, there's a guy uh, supposed to look like a human, but his neck was going like through his body, and then it was disconnected to his head. Um, I removed some things. Uh, also, you can really notice when they make circles or squares, sometimes they're not touching. So you can make sure all those things connect. Put your machine back together. Now you've got a perfectly adjusted Vectrix to play on. Um, I highly suggest you do that if you guys haven't. Some additional things you can get for your Vectrix. Uh, there is a modern uh, thing they call the buzz-off kit. Now, the Vectrix has a very classic, I'm going to say classic, a very uh, indicative sound Basically, when you turn on the screen, regardless of the volume you set the the system at, you're going to hear a loud buzz noise. Now, that's just inherent to the system. That's part of the sound it makes. Uh, you turn the volume up, the buzz will still be there at the same volume, um, but you can overpower it with sound. So they do make a kit nowadays. You can go in there and solder this thing in, and it's supposed to eliminate that buzz. I personally don't. It is kind of annoying, but it's part of the system for me. Like, I want that there. That's how it was designed. That's how it was sold. Uh, but if that bugs you, you can get the buzz-off kit. And then there's a few um, additional things. The multi-cart market, um, there's kind of a lot out there for multi-carts, but the kind of quintessential one that everyone uh, universally is kind of stuck with is the Sean Kelly multi-cart. Um, they go for, I think, a new version right now with a box. It uh, goes for like $70. Uh, they're still selling, the, the author is still selling them on eBay. And um, I don't know if he has a market somewhere else, but he's selling them on eBay. And it has all the original games and a whole bunch of homebrew aftermarket stuff as well now. And it's a really slick system where you plug it in, scroll to the game you want, select it, and it plays. There's also a bunch of really cool homebrew titles that have come out afterwards uh, to very various different prices. I've ordered quite a few games from Packrat Games, I believe is what it's called here. Packrat Video Games LLC. It's at packratvg.com. And they have games, they make physical games at extremely reasonable prices that a lot of homebrewers put together, um, anywhere from like 15 to 30 bucks. Uh, there's a really cool one specifically that I that I purchased. Um uh, called Vecmania. It's got like six to eight games on there, and you get it with a you know like it looks almost like a VHS cover. Um, nice little thing inside to hold the game. Um, it's got like styrofoam, and I think even a manual. Um, it gives you there it is nine games for twenty two bucks as of it is right at, you know as of right now. Um, very cool. And then there's also some extreme ones um, that have 
a full new box, including overlay, multiple overlays in some case. Later on in this episode, you're going to hear about a, pick, a pickup I got of Vector Pilot, which is worth every penny. Amazing game with amazing overlays. Uh, honestly, probably my favorite game on this system. Uh, you know, even including all the originals, this one is, is an amazing game. But um, last thing before we get to the games, the system goes for probably e. it, the values on the on Vectric stuff is kind of all over the board. Um, you can find really good deals, and you can pay a whole lot of money, and anywhere in between. So it's hard to nail these down, but the systems roughly go for 300 to 350 That's pretty set in stone. Um, I would hesitate to buy these through the mail, eBay, or anything like that, just because uh, Sight Unseen is it's a pretty big risk. Um, you don't want these things traveling through the mail, and you find out it's been damaged, especially with a vector monitor. There's not, I mean, vector monitors, they don't make them anymore. They're not out there anymore. This is this is going to be your last shot, and I just hesitate to send any Vectrix through the mail uh, just because I don't want to lose them. Um, controllers are, have gotten crazy pricey. Uh, individual controllers can go from, like, 80 bucks to just, like, a work-and-used one to, like, 150 bucks for a new in-box one. Um, when I got my system, it actually came with a couple controllers, and I sold a couple of them to buy more games. And uh, I don't, I don't regret that because one controller. Most of these games are good one-player games. Even if you do two players, it's kind of back and forth, so it really doesn't add much, in my opinion, to have two controllers. But um, and the one I have works really well. So uh, let's get to the game. So we have one hundred dollars to pl- buy games. Now, of course, I am going to buy these games complete in box with their overlays. And, uh, again, these prices can range like crazy. So, uh, there's a few games that probably go for um, $150 to $250 bucks complete. Those are out of the question. They're good games. They're just out of the question for this. Uh, there's a large number of games, though, that you can get complete with the overlays for about 30 bucks. If you're lucky, you can get them as low as 20 22 If you really just want to bite the bullet and get it now, you can pay $50. Um, or higher. I've seen them go for higher. So, um, let me just start right off the bat. Uh, Mindstorm is built into the system. If you don't have an overlay for that, again, it doesn't add to the gameplay. It's not the most exciting overlay, but it is this cool kind of blue grid-based thing. Probably pick that up. Unfortunately, the Mindstorm overlays are actually very expensive. They're probably 75 bucks. Um, so for this list, we're going to start with Scramble. Complete in box. Scramble is a very cool side-scrolling shmup. You probably know it from the arcade. Uh, you shoot with uh, one button. You drop a bomb with another button. Um, you're just a, you're going up and down this landscape. Eventually, there's uh, ceilings that show up as well. So you're going between the the you know the floor and the ceiling. Um, this kind of jaggedy landscape where there's bases on the ground that are shooting at you. There's enemies that are flying towards you, and there's also gas cans. Um, gas. I don't, I don't know how you explain them. They're gas refineries i guess on the ground and magically somehow if you bomb them uh they fill you up with gas or fuel so you're attacking things you're trying to gain points you're trying to get through areas and you're trying to keep your fuel up while you're doing it by making sure you hit enough fuel stations um when you get i think if i remember correctly there's like four kind of distinct areas you just kind of seamlessly flow through them and then the scenery uh repeats it kind of scrolls again and you keep going very fun game Super smooth with the controls. That's why I love this version of it. Um, honestly, probably more than the arcade. Um, this is the better version <laughs> than the arcade. Uh, that being said, the reason this game is really a must-own for me is the cool 
it's probably the coolest overlay uh, for the Vectrix, in my opinion. It has basically just a gradient. It goes from green at the bottom to yellow in the middle to red at the top. Um, again, these overlays are more for looks. They don't serve a whole lot of purpose. I mean, they do have some sections there for score and things like that. But just that cool gradient. So when you're lower, you're red. Or I'm sorry, you're green. In the middle, you turn yellow and enemies are yellow. When you're working towards the top, it's a, it's a bright red look. And it's just very cool. Probably my favorite overlay. Have to have Scramble. Uh, that was the first game I got with my Vectrix. Moving on, um, I'll, I'll be quick about this one. I've mentioned it before on the show, but Cosmic Chasm. This is another game that I don't think gets enough love. What's cool about this one, most of these games are quick arcade games. Cosmic Chasm is quick a quick arcade game, but it's kind of got a, an ongoing element to it. Um, you essentially are kind of a top-down uh, ship going through these chasms. You enter a, a, basically a cave. Things come out, attack you. You try to kill them or fend them off um, while there are three or four exits. Uh, to get to those exits, you have to pull out your drill, which is like button three or something, so it can be a little confusing. You get slowly work your way up to that, that door, that gate. You drill the gate, knock it out of the way so you can go through to the next cave, do it again. In between each cave, a map pops up for like three seconds. You get to see where you are, where the cave structure, kind of underground cave structure, or technically, I guess it's in planetary cave structure. Um, in the center of each one of these caves, there is a bomb, and it's got a shield around it that kind of grows as you go. So you can't go slow because the shield gets bigger and bigger and bigger and takes up all your space. Um, so that being said, uh, your ultimate goal is to get to the center of the planet, which you know is usually five or six caves deep. And you set a bomb uh, at the center of the planet. And then you basically have a small amount of time. And it is a small amount of time uh, to get yourself out of the planet before the planet blows up that you just set off the bomb. Uh, typically, you just have to go back the exact way you came. If you s- stop to try to open another gate, you're going to die. So at that point, you're going back through everything you already did, uh, trying to avoid those those uh, energy beam shields, or whatever you want to call them, that have expanded in the middle of those caves and get out of there. And then you're on to the next level, which has a new map. So it's kind of got this progressive RPG, eh, RPG-ish um, element to it. Really like it. The overlay, it, it does look very cool. Um, it's basically dark red area in the center for the cave and then outside is kind of this rocky blue craggy um border love that game 30 bucks all day worth it for the third game you know i'm saying all these games are 30 dollars each but honestly that's a little bit low if you so three games is going to total about 100 bucks so i guess i'm going to say every one of these games is 33.33 you know after shipping or um trying to get one complete in box and paying a little more for it. it's there three games will be about 100 bucks but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Bedlam. Bedlam has a very cool overlay. I'm going to just start with the overlay because I actually like the overlay more than the game. Um, but it's this cool red starburst in the center of the screen, um, which kind of works with the gameplay. It kind of doesn't. If you watch it, you'll see. But essentially, the game is kind of like the Mindstorm that comes on the system, which is kind of like Asteroids. You are the ship in the middle of the screen. Now, I don't believe you can move from the middle of the screen. You're you're stuck in the middle of the screen. And you can rotate in 360 degrees, and you're shooting things that are coming towards you. Uh, but the levels are essentially a, uh, obviously a line-based shape. Uh, for example, a triangle. Uh, the first level is kind of a triangle. And out of the corners of the triangle, enemies start coming towards you. You're in the center of the triangle. They start coming towards you from that 
from the triangle. However, the triangle isn't stationary. It's turning. It's kind of jerking to a you know five five percent off kilter clockwise over and over and over again. So you kind of have to shoot the enemies that are coming at you, but kind of turn with them, almost like a clock. And um, once you complete enough, you know, destroy enough enemies, you move to the next level, which becomes kind of a four-pointed uh, shape, and eventually a five-pointed, and it kind of grows. Um, once you defeat all the shapes, then it goes back to the three-point shape, the triangle-ish thing, and just goes faster and faster. Um, pretty fun game. I still like Mindstorm more that's a, that comes with it, but this is much cooler overlay, so I think the full package is a, a great deal. I think that's just about it for the Vectrix. Um, later on in a, in a future episode, you're going to hear me talk about one of the other pickups I just made. Um, so please t- t- stay tuned for that. And if you guys don't have one of these things yet, they are the coolest physical system I own. I'm not going to say it's my favorite system, but to own it physically, I mean, you have to own it physically. You can't emulate this. It doesn't work. Um, I really think any retro gamer that has an interest in, you know, uh, 80s and that era, you know, of game, you should owe it to yourself to check one of these out. If not, get one. At least try it out. It's a it's a heavy price point uh, to just jump in on it, but I think you'll fall in love with it. So, thank you much. Hey guys, how about we take a little break, and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's tea time with Tim. Hey everyone, and welcome to my first review. For my first review, we're going to take a look at a quirky little Spectrum platformer called Zub by Mastertronic. This wouldn't have actually been my first choice for a game to review, but there's a little bit of a story behind it. So I was casually looking at Twitter the other day when I saw that Cody had tweeted about a Spectrum game that he was playing. He'd drawn this curious little map and asked, could you guess the game from the map? Well, I was looking at the map and couldn't really make a choice of what exactly it was. I know he'd been playing Attic Attack quite a bit, so I took a stab and guessed at Attic Attack. Then I saw someone else had correctly guessed it as Zub. I know that one of my other friends, Chinny, that's at ChinnyVision on Twitter, had played and done a video about Zub, so I was quite curious to see what this was all about. So I thought, okay, let's load it up and give it a go. I had a hunch that I had a copy, uh, an original copy on tape somewhere around in my collection. So I dug through some of my boxes and yep, I managed to find the full box copy. Looking at the box, it's the typical Mastertronic style packaging with the Mad logo at the bottom and a nice colourful picture. Saying Zub on the front of the case, funnily enough. It's for the Spectrum 48 and also is has enhanced sound on the 128k version, which is really good. The music in this version is done by David Whittaker. The authors of the game are Stee and John Pickford, or better known as Binary Design. You can find one of the brothers on Twitter. He actually tweeted me back and followed me after I put a post out about playing the game for the review. So you can find him at S-T-E-P-I-C-K-F-O-R-D. So that's at Stee Pickford on Twitter. So if on the remote chance that you end up playing Zub based on my review of this game, send him a quick tweet with a screenshot and give him a shout out for creating such a cool little game. So a little bit about the game. It was created in 1986 and launched by Mastertronic. It was on their MAD range, so that's the Mastertronic added dimension. It was launched at £2.99 and came out for the Spectrum 
Amstrad and the Commodore 64. Just as a quick aside, I must apologise for my voice at the moment. It's a little bit gravelly and nasally because I'm just recovering from a rather nasty case of man flu. Well, it's just a cold, but anyway, seemed like it at the time. Okay, enough about my gravelly tones. Let's just get on and talk about the game. Taking the inlay out of the box and looking at the game description at the back, let's read through it together. So it says... Take Agent Zub through the perils of ten nasty worlds to retrieve the eyeball of Zub for his king, Zub. Just as an aside, everyone's called Zub in this. If Zub fails, Zub 1 will lose the war to Zub 10 and his commander, Zub, will probably Zub him. Well, I'm completely none the wiser from that. So anyway, let's just go on and play the game. As I've got the game from tape, I thought I'd be a glutton for punishment and actually load it from tape. So I pulled out my Spectrum 48K, connected up the tape recorder and got everything working and just loaded it up. I was amazed it actually loaded first time. I think it's probably the first time in maybe 25 years that this cassette has actually been even taken out of the box and used, let alone loaded. As part of the loading sequence on the Spectrum when you're running from tape, you get the normal lovely little loading screen that draws up. This game doesn't disappoint and gives a great little piece of artwork that's loaded up to watch while you sit and watch the little bars going and making the weird little noises that the Spectrum makes until the game finishes loading and it runs. If you're running from tape like I was, you may see the great little intro screen. It's kind of like the beginning of a Bond film where you see the Zub character in the little circle and it moves around and then eventually you get the little machine gun across the screen and then you see Zub go and shoot and then it fades into red. It's a great little intro and also shows you the credits for the game. If you just then press space you move on and then it gets you into the title screen for the game. The title screen is divided up into lots of little sub-screens with information scrolling down on each one, each one giving you a little bit of information about certain things of the game, the character, and also down to the controls and the level select. There's the option to redefine the keys, which is actually recommended in this, but I tend to play with the joystick, and I opt for the Kempston joystick because I use my DivMMC Future connected to the back and rub my joystick through that. So I always select the Kempston option, but there's also Sinclair, Cursor, and of course the option to play the game on keys. Okay, so here's a little tip straight away about Zub. It's a very hard game. It's very frustrating. If you go in at the standard level, which is well hard, I wouldn't go near that one to start off with. Set it easy peasy and just get the flow and the play of the game first before you start ramping the difficulty up. It can be really frustrating and difficult to understand to start off with. So once you've selected your control method and your level, easy peasy to start off with in my recommendation, you press fire and the game starts. Immediately your screen changes and you're teleported in to the base of the first level. Now I have to admit here of being a bit confused. I could see that there was platforms, but it wasn't easy to jump up onto the other platforms. There was only one platform that I could reach, and then it wasn't actually within distance of any other ones that I could jump to. So I thought, okay, well there must be a way that you need to move these platforms. So I walked around and found the first platform that I could actually clearly jump onto. I jumped onto it and started walking. The platform would move a little bit, 
but then I would just fall off the edge of the platform. It wouldn't move any further. So I ended up just jumping around, making Zub look like a loony on the screen, jumping around all over the place. Eventually, I jumped onto one onto the platform, and then I pressed down. And then it started to move again. So then I pressed down diagonally, and then found that that was the control method. So you move the platforms by pressing in the diagonal direction, left and right, down, to actually move the platforms along. So once I got the hang of that then I was good to go. So starting out on level one, the idea is, is that you jump up on the platforms, you've got to move the platforms so they're in line with each other, jump up between each platform to get to the top of the screen. Once you're at the top of the screen, you've got to make a decision between three different platforms to jump onto. These warp you into different areas in the game. There are 10 different areas or the levels in the game. You teleport to each of the different levels from one of the platforms in each of the same levels. So, for example, if you get up to the top of the screen on level one and you go to the middle platform, you would go to level two, level three or back to level one, depending on which one you choose. And this takes me back to the beginning where I could see what Cody was actually doing now. He was mapping the levels out with a very rough diagram of three lines, one line for each platform at the very top of the level, and marking the number of which level that it would go to if you went on that platform where you would be teleported to. Yep, even I'm confused by saying that, but it does make sense when you start playing the game. When you start playing the game, you're not really sure of where the aliens are going to appear from next. After playing the game a few times and dying horribly, I noticed on the menu at the top where it says redefine keys, there's an option for scanner if you press zero on the keyboard. I find this incredibly valuable and very helpful because it shows you where the alien is at any one time and even whereabouts he's going to come in onto the screen to try and get you and knock you off the platform. Yeah, that's the annoying thing about this is the alien. They seem to home in on you and just hover around you until you're just about ready to jump. As you jump, they come down on you and then they knock you off the platform. Now, this is okay if you're down on the bottom couple of platforms, but if you're almost right at the top and he knocks you off, you go all the way down back to the bottom of the level and then you have to start all the way getting up all the platforms again and moving them back into the right place to get back up to the top. Sounds simple but it's very frustrating when he keeps knocking you off. After you found the scanner, it does make it a little bit easier because you can actually see where the alien is at any one time. Zub does have some defence in the form of a plasma bolt. This is fired by obviously pressing the fire button on the joystick. When you zap the alien, he tends to run with his tail between his legs and fly. he's got to fly all the way back up to the top of the screen and then he can then start coming down again to try and get you. If you're quick enough and you've memorised a lot of the platforms, this is normally enough time to get pretty much all the way up to the top. However, if you get knocked down, you've got that whole frustrating jump, jump and jump up again onto the platforms to get to the top of the level. Score appears to be calculated on your performance on each level. It seems to take from your shooting accuracy, so how many times you've shot the alien to how many times you've fired, and also the, the speed of your ascent up through the platforms to how quickly you get to the transport at the top. 
That's the basic game mechanics. The graphics on the Spectrum are the standard high-res affair, with a few, very few colours, but what they've got there is very colourful and nice. The character Zub seems to be a cross between a hunchback and a spaceman. He sort of kind of waddles around the screen in a hunched over position with his uh, space helmet on and his zapper poised to shoot any oncoming aliens. I was thinking about the character the other day and he kind of reminds me of Gru from Despicable Me when he wears his spacesuit. The scoring mechanic on the game is a little odd because you have a high score a score and then a minus score so your score can get into minus depending on how well you're doing on the levels so i'm not really sure on the scoring mechanic and how exactly it works out but it's worth knowing that anyway if you are going to play this and you've got a spectrum 128k to hand i would definitely advise using it on the 128 the sound is much much better on this version and it's got a really good tune in the background that's by david whittaker To start off with, I found the game a little bit frustrating and annoying, but give it a bit of time and you actually start to really enjoy playing the game and it really grows on you and becomes very addictive. I'm ashamed to admit that it did take me quite a while to get off of the first level, but once you get up to that top and feel that sense of achievement of getting to the first transporter, it's really good and I would thoroughly recommend the game. Once you get to the top of the level and you choose your pad that you want to transport off of, you get to the transport screen. This shows you a little map. You have the Eye of Zub in the middle and then all the levels linked together with different lines which show you the transport paths. After a frenetic jumping up and down on that previous level, it's good to have a little bit of break and go to the transport level. On exiting the transporter screen, you press fire. This does a very brief little animation of the level that you're about to go to, so the little dots go across between the numbers. Then it takes you to the power pill screen. Each power pill is shown with a value between 5 and 20. These represent the amount of regeneration that you get on your energy for the next level. Each value pill gets highlighted quickly, and the idea is to press the fire button quickly enough when you see it go over one of the higher numbers like 20 and that will restore pretty much all of your energy ready for when you're teleported onto the next level. I've not quite completed the game at the time of recording this. I think I've got up to level 8 on easy peasy level. I must admit I am cheating a little bit and using the Div MMC future to take snapshots every time I complete a level. But at the moment I just want to get a flow and a feel for the game and eventually I'll probably ramp the difficulty up and get rid of the snapshots. But for now it's letting me progress further in the game and it's more and more enjoyable with each level that goes by. I'd thoroughly recommend giving this game a try. Once I've completed the Spectrum version, I'm going to move on to the Amstrad and the Commodore 64 versions and see how they compare to the Spectrum version. As it is the Pixel Guide N way, I'm going to try and think of a rating level for this to give my score for the game. On level 7, I think you get to an alien which looks a bit like a weird Pac-Man-y style character. So I'm going to rate this in weird Zub Pac-Man alien characters. And also, as it's on the Spectrum 48K, I'm going to rate it out of 48. Okay, so out of 48 weird Zub Pac-Man alien characters, I'm going to give it 38. Really solid, good-looking game for the Spectrum, and I would recommend giving it a go. Good game!
Six good games, Eric. Yep. It's that time again. What did we do this week? Imports. We did import games, so... This one was very challenging for me because I I didn't start getting into ports, into imports until the Sega Saturn era. Like I started thinking, I started broadening my horizons and and looking at import games. So all the whole eras before that, I I didn't even consider them. So no. I don't I don't have any, <laughs> and I don't play that many of them. So. Anyway, I, there's I did, a few that I would that I did on previous episodes that I would love to do. Like for NES, the first one I think of is that one Paku Graffiti yeah. uh, Splatterhouse. Mm-hmm. Love that game. Yeah, that's a good import one. only. Yep. But anyways, we each picked three games, making six good games, and these are console imports. Yeah, because otherwise we could just pick any, pretty much any Amiga game or Spectrum game or a lot of different games that we wanted to. Right. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. First one is sentimental value, Ooh, especially for the, our podcast. I didn't even look. I just looked now. Okay. So the first one is Groove on Fight on Sega Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a burned copy of that for a long time, and I loved it. And I loved it so much, I wanted to get a real copy of it. And so I looked on Craigslist. Was It, it was eBay. It was eBay. It was eBay. And someone sold me a copy, and I met them in Elk Grove, and it was you. Oh, hey. Oh, do we get applause? Yay. Yeah. So this is our Genesis story, right? This is our, our... Ooh, not Sega Genesis. No, no, no. But this is our... Uh, yep, hearkening back to episode one where we talked about this. Yeah, exactly. Pixel so, guide in. But it is basically a fighting game, and um, it... I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's a fighting game. It's very good. It's got good mechanics. Um, I really enjoy it. I enjoyed it so much that I st- stuck with it for a couple of days until I beat it. Um, oh, you really? You beat it, huh? Yeah, and I haven't booted it up in a while, so my memory's a little foggy on it. But I really enjoyed it. I love it. Oh, I beat it. I've beaten this game several times. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you really did like it. Yep. Well, I don't know uh, if you ever heard the full story from my perspective, but the way I got that game mm-hmm. is I was very head. Uh, what do you call it? Headlong into imports at that time. Oh, okay. And I had just um, found a. Very good deal if you look at it that way on like 100 Sega Saturn import games. Yeah. And I spent a lot of money on this thing, but then sold off most of the collection, got most of my money back. Um, But I sold it because I didn't want all the games that weren't shmups. Okay. And I kept a whole bunch of those Sega Saturn imports. I kept Radiant Silver Gun. Oh, yeah. I kept um, uh, Salamander. I kept. I mean, I still have about 15 import shmups up there for my Saturn that I've kept out of that lot. And uh, after I sold everything else off, I got those for next to nothing, which was great. Yeah. Um, I have since sold my Radiant Silver Gun, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, one game I didn't sell is right here in front of us as yep. I knock my mic over. And this is the uh, Parodius pack. Oh, wow. So there's, there it is in the flesh. Um, and almost all these games came with their spine cards. Import Saturn games have a... Uh, they came wrapped, and they had a spine card on the outside. Um, usually, right. usually they're inside the manual. Right, right. <clears throat> um, at this point. Um, so you can call me out if I'm wrong there, but it should be in there somewhere. I don't know. Anyways, um, most of my games have their spine cards. And uh, the Gradius pack that you're holding there, I think it's actually called... I'm sorry, not Gradius. Parodius Deluxe Pack has two games in it, Parodius Daw 
and Gokujo Parodius. Okay. Which I think are the first two Parodius games. Now, for those who don't know, Parodius is a parody of Gradius, hence Parodius. Yeah. Um, and they do. They did come out. They did have. Uh, it was an arcade game, but they also released some uh, copies of it for like Super Famicom and stuff, which okay. are also imports. I own one of those. Um, but these games are hilarious, and they look most like the arcade on the Saturn version here. So this is the one I'm picking. And uh, I could have picked a ton of schmutz, but I just picked this one because it's the most unique. It's the most Japanese. It's very importy. Yeah, it looks like it. And uh, have you played a Parodius game? I have, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I, can't, I mean, it's fa- <clears throat> my memory's fuzzy on it, but I have played one. So it's just super wacky out there. Um, it's Essentially, if you played Gradius, you know the gameplay, uh, but you could, could pick all kinds of bizarre things from... You can be the, uh, Vic, the Vic Viper or Lord British from Gradius, yeah. but you can also be a penguin. You could be a stick man riding on a paper plane. You can be uh, the infamous um, half-naked bunny girl riding a missile. Um, there's an octopus in there. All kinds of bizarre things. And the music is goofy. The sounds are goofy. It's very vi- vibrant and, and pretty and colorful. Um, bizarre things attack you, like mermaids who like whisper things at you, but the words that come out of their mouth are t- physically attacking you. Um crazy things with umbrellas floating around it's uh it's the, the moi heads from gradius come out and attack you by shooting out more moi heads out of their mouth <laughs> um it's just really bizarre and wacky and you're yeah. you're just thinking you're the whole time you're playing and having a good time and it's a good it plays like gradius it feels good and it plays well yeah uh you're just thinking wtf <laughs> like what is going on here um there's also a game that came out called sexy proteus which has more skin to the collide women in it wow. um and some men and um, but it's it's still more of the same. It's just over the top, silly and wacky. The funny thing about it too, though, is rather than pay for music because yeah. they're trying to do a quick parody game, sure, all the music is um, uh, what do you call it? Classicals. Yeah, the classical, like yeah, yeah. Or else there's one part where you do a power move and an American eagle comes out with wearing American flags. And oh, it wow. bah, 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 I don't know what that's called, that song, but yeah. that super over-the-top, like, American parade song. It's like a marching song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's all, like, classical music done with, like, whimsical instruments and stuff. But it's just a super fun um, game. It's, it is like Gradius, though, where it, you get very far in there, you lose all your power-ups, and then you can't get back into the game anymore because you lost it all. That's a Konami game. It's a Konami game, exactly. Cool. And um, But it does also take from Gradius, uh, from Konami's Twinbee game. Oh, or if yeah, you shoot, yeah. shoot things, Which the, bell, I love that game. the bells yeah. come out. Yep. So the bells are in here. So oh, So you're nice. playing Gradius, and you the can bells change are the color of the bells. Yep. You're shooting bells for points and for for to change the color, get power-ups and stuff. So highly recommended. I love Parodius games. Proteus games. Right on. My next one is pretty, pretty. I think most people know about this one, is Dodonpachi. I want to say we either covered this one or Donpachi before. Yeah, sure. But this is one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my good... I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it many times in the future, yeah. too. But it was one of my first bullet hell games. I guess they call it bullet hell games. Um, Manic shmup. You pick your type of ship in the beginning and the way it fires, and you jump into it. It's pretty typical shmup game, but um, I tend to try to get this game on every system that I have, and... I play the arcade version on my bar top. I play the Saturn version. I play the PS1 version. Um, just a just a great shmup. 
Yeah, that's a good one. It's one of the ones that started the whole Manic Shmup thing. Yep. So I just threw my copy, my Sega Saturn copy of it in front of you there. Yep. But if you remember, we did cover one of the, either Don Patchy or Dodon Patchy before, because I remember showing you this. Yeah. First of all, I've got the spine cards in these. They're there. Yeah, yeah. There's there the spine are. cards and everything. Um, but if you remember right, I was all excited to show you these, and then I flipped them over. Yeah. Because I had originals complete and everything. I have the manual, I have the game, I have the spine cards, but then I flipped them over, and the CD case is a, on both of them, it's a straight Don Patchy CD case. So somebody had... Just the back label. Somebody had swapped it out, or just accidentally done it. Erg. Yeah. So, anyways. Physical games, whatever. Right on? Um, I agree. Great game. I also noticed you and I are trying to avoid just doing all shmups, because a lot of shmups are import only, and, right. they're, and they're great games. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do uh, Rondo of Blood, yeah, which is a Turbo Graphics CD game. Oh, cool! Um, I've actually never played the actual game on a Turbo Graphics. Me either. I don't have the CD. You know. uh, yeah, nor do I. Um, so this is like uh, technically it's the tenth Castlevania game, which is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Because I didn't know that. still after this, cause, well, there's like three Game Boy games. There's three NES games. Um, and then right after this, this game came out in 93, and it was this, the traditional Castlevania game, the action platformer hack and slash yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this game, the next year, you had Castlevania Bloodlines on the Genesis, and you had Castlevania 4 on the Super NES, and then a year after that, in 95, Symphony of the Night came out. And that's when it became a Metroidvania-like <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. So that was game 12. 12 Castlevanias until it became Metroidvania-like, Eric. Right. Um, nonetheless, this is the best of the 2D side-scrolling linear Castlevania games. Gotcha. There's like nine levels, four... You can take... There's alternate paths you can take. Um, so you can play the game multiple times in multiple ways and get different things and unlock certain things. Um, gorgeous game because it's on the TurboGrafx CD. The audio is CD... Yeah. Audio. Like, yeah, so, Redbook audio. Yeah, so it's a really cool arcade video game music, but done with a full orchestra. I played it this way. On the, on the PSP? This is the PSP. Now, this is interesting. This is the Castlevania, the Dracula X Chronicles. Um, I think I might have talked to you about this before, but what's crazy about this mm-hmm. is this game, and they don't explain it very well, um... The first game on here is essentially a remake. It's kind of a 3D modeled remake of Rondo of Blood. Okay. And it's really well done. And it's worth playing. And once you... That's the only game on here. Until you beat that version of Rondo of Blood. Yeah. And then there's... If you do enough side pass and stuff, you can unlock the original Rondo of Blood and play the original game with the original graphics. The gameplay is pretty much identical. Yeah. There's a few extra things in this modern one, but you can play the TurboGrafx version of it on here. Now, if you beat the original game, or not the original game, but if you if you beat the remake of Rondo of Blood that's on here, yeah. only then do you unlock Symphony of the Night, the entire game. Oh, wow. So this is how I played Symphony of the Night as well. Yeah. So I played Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night with this collection. This is like my number one PSP game. Sweet. Um, Probably got a lot of mileage on that. I did. And uh, great collection, so... I would I would suggest that one. Right on. My final game is one that uh, I just learned about, like when I installed that GD EMU on my Dreamcast. Yeah, that surprises me. So I had the whole NTSC collection on there, and I played 
several games on there. And then I wanted to make a second SD card of, of Japanese imports. So the first one I found, I looked up shmups, uh, you know, because those are great on Dreamcast. And I read like, everyone seemed to love Zero Gunner 2. So I downloaded it, put it on my Dreamcast on the SD card. And I loved it. I had never seen it before. So I played it. One of the, the cool thing, of it's a shmup, of course, but the cool thing about it is you can hit a left and right button and rotate the axis that your ship yeah. is on. Fire in that direction, change your axis again, fire in that direction. It just adds a very cool element to the game. It is, and what, but what I love about it is, is the level design is still really well done, so that's still mostly vertical. Yeah. You still have parts where you have to do that, and it creates a whole lot of interest and unique yep. strategy, especially in boss battles. Yep. But the primary, it's still primary vertical, so it doesn't get so far out there that it's unwieldy. Right. Um, that game has also recently released on the Sikio Volume 3 for the Switch. That's right, because it is a Sikio game. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably my favorite Sikio game. That game's amazing. Zero Gunner 2? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And if you like that, there's another game. I was trying to find it for you real quick. I have it from my PlayStation 3 called Under Defeat. Have you played Under I Defeat? I have played Under Defeat. Okay. Yes, it's kind I of oh, Actually, I see it right there. Under Defeat HD. There's an NTSC version of that, so I played it on my Dreamcast because it's part of my NTSC library on there. NTSC? The, uh, like the, the American River. There was an Under Defeat. Wait, was there? Maybe there wasn't. Maybe I'm thinking of something different. I it have... was Japanese owned. It was an import. Oh, Under okay. Defeat was also, but it was, I mean, it's Japanese, so it's still an NTSC. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's what I meant. But uh, no, you're right. I have played Under Defeat, though. Yeah, it's one of the first ones game. I played. Yeah. But Zero Gun is really good. Yep. Uh, Zero Gunner, it's, well, it's technically Zero Gunner 2. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't think I played the first one. I, I think it was I, arcade only. Yeah, because I, I didn't see it on anybody's list. All right, my very last one here, and I want to pull this up because I want to show you. Have you heard of The Fireman? Nope. So some of our British listeners might be very familiar with this game because this was released in Europe, Australia, and Japan. Okay. No America for you. Yeah. Now, what's funny about uh, that is this game... Let me pull up some video here. This game is based in New York City, um, where you're a firefighter that is basically apparently at a Christmas party. Okay. Um, you're at a Christmas... Well, there, people are at a Christmas party. A fire breaks out in the kitchen, and it's in this, like, skyscraper, but this building is also a chemical plant. They make chemicals called Microtech. Anyways, um, you'll see some gameplay here very shortly. Human Entertainment made the game. There we go. Here's some gameplay. And you're, it's like kind of a top-down action game. Oh, nice. And, uh, I like top-down games. Yeah, it's really cool. It looks, it looks kind of Amiga-ish, actually. But yeah. uh, you're a firefighter, and you have a buddy that helps you out. You can squirt your hose like that, or else right there you've got your extinguisher. So there's certain types of fire that are kind of low to the ground that you can't put out with a hose. you got to put them out with the extinguisher. And then uh, your kind of counterpart there has a, an axe, and he can attack certain things with an axe to put out fires. Yeah. But basically, you notice there is time up in their corner, so it is a time-based game, uh, unfortunately for you. There's also, a, <laughs> there's also a map kind of in the center there. Yeah. Uh, you have your life bar. If you get burnt, you get, lose life, of course. Or if you're in a room, that get, you'll see kind of heat waves. Yep. If you're in there too long, you'll start losing life as well. Okay. And then there's also a little heart monitor up there. If you're near somebody who's trying to be, um, who's hurt, uh, they'll start beeping. The closer you get, the louder the beep will be from the heart monitor. Okay. And you're basically going through this place trying to put out fires and save people. 
Um, it looks great. It it's a game that you wouldn't think would be fun by the description, but if you just look at it, you're like, wow, that actually is pretty cool. Like I want yep. the the fire spread kind of nat- semi naturally, and you got to keep on top of them, put them out, and uh, kind of make decisions where to start and what to do. Um, there's actually boss battles. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can find one here real quick. Um, so you're putting out fires, and eventually there'll be a, if you want to call it a boss fire. Boss fire. Boss flames. Um, yeah, I can't find it right now, but there's one. Oh, no, that's a, that's a robot. Anyways, pretty cool. And then you've also got this woman. Uh, I don't know if you saw her there. Uh, apparently, there's two other firefighters working in the building. She's kind of working be- with both you guys, directing you where to go to do things. Okay. And so you kind of get to see that whole... There you go. The boiler room is southeast of here. So now you're trying to head southeast to hit to a fire, according to the map. Hurry up. Um... There's these little, like, robot droid things that will, like, be running through the building that'll catch fire and spread the fire. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool, almost arena shooter, shmup, action, top-down game. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool game. And then there was a, a sequel released on the PlayStation, apparently. It was Fireman 2. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's six good games, Eric, and that is our show. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I am fading fast here. All right. So looking forward, I have become very interested for many reasons, but in large part because of Retro Gamer Magazine. Yeah. Which I'm still waiting for my first uh, copy to come in the mail. Yeah. Um, But I've been buying them. Uh, Lots of Amstrad CPC games in there. And then also watching Vision. He's had a lot of uh, Amstrad stuff on there as well. I really want to try an Amstrad. That's cool. I gotta admit, I'm pretty intrigued by that consoleized GBA thing. I'm gonna look into that. Oh yeah, I would love to do that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Also, the Jaguar SD card, of course, is sometimes still looking forward to. And um, yeah, really digging into my Tandy Coco Three. Oh, there's one thing I really wanted to do. I forgot to do, but I don't know if you noticed on my Tandy Coco Three here that still has its protective layer over the logo. So you're going to pull that off now? I'm pulling that right off right now because that does it for me. <laughs> I can't quite get it. But I'm excited because that is a 1980-whatever seal that I'm going to break shortly. Cool. All right, Eric. Cool. I think we did it. Right on. Two more episodes in the can. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys in November. Please Sounds go ahead and uh, and send us some emails or some twitter messages with some suggestions some questions whatever you got okay we'd love to take part and uh remember it's it's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. alone thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at theproject, that's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49, that's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.